0: I would pay probably upwards of 100 quid and watch Eric Cantona walk on stage, put his collar up, say the Seagulls line, and then just stand there for an hour and a half. OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app.
1: OTB's The Hurling Pod. With bored gosh energy, hurling.
2: It's anyone's game. It is quarterfinal weekend It's a doubleheader At the Gaelic grounds This coming Saturday evening It's going to be A four o'clock start For the first of a doubleheader Clare Pretty much their second home In Limerick this season Will go up against Dublin And then at 6.15 We've got the meeting Of Galway against Tipperary All that to look forward to We'll also be looking back in the weekend just gone by Where Tipperary racked up The biggest score In All-Ireland hurling history Seamus Callanan scoring His 40th goal in Championship As Liam side Ran out 32 point winners Against Offaly Dublin out Outscored the Joe McDonough Cup winners Carlo by 1-6 to a point in the last 8 minutes To seal their All-Ireland quarter final Against Clare this coming Saturday And Limerick will be without their Captain Declan Hannan For the upcoming All-Ireland semi-finals He's out with a knee injury And he's a major doubt For the All-Ireland final Should Limerick reach that as well Delighted to say James Skell, Paul Murphy Here with me as always How are you getting on lads? How's it going lads? Good, how are you? First question Paul Gaelic grounds <clears throat> Sensible decision this afternoon For that doubleheader?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, just the logistics for Porky Like, granted, uh, I can completely understand um, the Carconians and, and Porky Cueve wanting a game down there. But if it is to be a double header, I think logistically it's probably a tough place to get in and out of. Not to mind the long distance, let's say, the likes of Galway and Dublin have to travel as well. Probably not a whole lot better for Dublin um, in terms of distance wise. But uh, no, I think it is. I think the Gaelic grounds is just a bit more suitable for, for a double header.
2: Yeah, what do you reckon, James? I mean, on the one hand, this seems quite tough on Dublin to have to go all the way across to the West Coast to play. The other option, I guess, would have been to maybe play this in Port Leash or in Nolan Park, but then you wouldn't have had the double header, which probably suits the TV yeah. coverage as well.
3: Yeah, I, I think probably even late last week, um, I think all I was hoping for as a going man was just a small bit of logic would be adopted in the GAA and that they wouldn't send us down to Cork, you know, the, the four teams. I was, as Murph was saying, I was concerned that like a clear Tip and Galway would all be heading down south into the one area, which would mean a nightmare to get into. And with that being said, you'd hope that the, they'd split the fixture, i.e. Galway, Tipperary, and Limerick, and then presumably uh, we would have hoped for a Dublin, Clare in a mm, Port Lee, type area. That's awesome to be now, and I think Dublin probably got the short straw uh, in that event. And look, it's obvious that it's, it's a scheduling issue. It's, it's uh, I think probably the, the TV is quite restrictive, that they've had to move both games in, in the one venue. It's great, look at, for ourselves in Clare and Tip It's only over the road, but for Dublin um, They won't be best pleased
2: Yeah, I mean Paul, does Parky Quay feel a little bit Unloved this year now, because the Munster final was a very possible venue uh, in the end then it didn't after a bit of back and forth at Munster Council with Clare preferring to go to Limerick than to go to Porky Quive in the end. And now there was all this talk last week and it felt like we were almost being prepared for the idea that Porky Quive was going to get one if not two of the quarterfinals and now as it turns out uh, Porky Quive won't be getting any of those three games.
0: Yeah, like I mean, it's understandable. Like it's a fabulous stadium down there, and a fairness to it as well, it does it does have a good atmosphere as well. Like you know, it's not one of those grounds that only if it has you know x amount of people in it is the atmosphere good. It does cater for a good game, and um, but I think you know even just going forward because nearly Twitter dictates so many things, it preempts any sort of a fixture at this stage if there is a debate because people get their voice out there, they I suppose air their opinions, and it potentially could sway it. I don't know. I don't know how much it's weighted, it, but particularly coming into the Clare Limerick game, you felt there was an influence because the public outcry could be felt on social media. But I think certainly next year, look, if if it is the plan to use the grounds, because you have to use Parky Queeb as well, not just for car games, you know just put it into the calendar so people are forewarned well before it and it doesn't feel like that you're doing one supporter out of going down there but I do think in the circumstance of a double header like we all know we've all been to Parky Queef it's not an easy place to get in or out of Um, and particularly at the hour of the evening that the Tip Galway match is going to be finishing like you know you do have to take these things into consideration and to be fair to supporters as well so bringing that amount of people down there you know it'll be a bit of a headache coming out of it so um, absolutely like you know a standalone game in future you know Munster final whatever it's going to be I know people will say you can't take that out of Thurlis and so on but um, I think just put one into the calendar there maybe Munster final next year is going to be in Parky Cueve because we, you know, we want to use the stadium and we want to bring it around Munster but at the moment I just think this makes sense to have the, the Gaelic grounds as the venue
2: Well, Skell, I know you were spying on the football pod in the week just gone by, so you must be delighted Um. as a Galway fan. Your Sunday is freed up to go watch the footballers against Mayo. And if you don't want to go to the game, you can watch it on TV because they've listened to the feedback about GA Go and it's going to be on terrestrial TV, despite the fact that RT2 is showing the Talton Cup semi-finals. So uh, win-win if you're a Galway fan this weekend.
3: Yeah. I suppose, yeah. <laughs> if you're a Galway fan who likes both sports. Yeah. And I might just add, actually, um, thanks to the football pod for taking the first 10 minutes out of their week last week to talk about hurling. So it's obviously hurling is the hot shot. <laughs> so, um, yeah, jump on board, hop on the bandwagon there. But uh, actually, well, I don't even know what time Galway may are going to be playing, but we're playing a league final at home uh, against Lockray. So I might just have to miss it.
2: Oh, what, what a pity, says he, um, that there's Damn. a scheduling conflict. Um, to be fair to Paddy Andrews, by the way, I actually thought his point, Paul, was a very reasonable one, where he was comparing uh, the Dublin footballers with the Limerick hurlers right now, where he said there were plenty of games over that spell. Like he won seven All-Irelands, but particularly in the run where they went six All-Irelands in a row, where Dublin got into sticky situations in big games, a bit like the Clare Limerick game in the Munster final. And somehow they find a way to win. And he was saying it's incredibly difficult to build up that aura about a team. But when you build it up, it's a very powerful thing to have in your arsenal that you know how to win games like that. Yeah, completely. And even speaking to people after the Limerick game, like people were looking at
0: it from, I suppose, suppose a very singular point of view, saying that one puck of the ball and the free and all this. And you know, I was trying to say to lads that no, like there's more to it, and it's very hard to put your finger on exactly what it is. It's just simply the case of the great teams being able to close out the game, and it is. It's absolutely comparable to Dublin. Like you think of so many times there, Dublin, and unfortunately it was usually Mayo at the other end of it. In be it all Ireland finals or all Ireland semi-finals, where They had the measure of them to a degree. But when it came down to the last three or four minutes, you know it's going to be one score. It's going to dictate it. And when a team has their possession, they just use it so well. And there's that extra just air of of calm and confidence about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And invariably, I mean, you can go across any sport in this. Invariably, it's that quality that teams have that, you know, you look back to any great teams in any sport, they manage to have it at really important times. And to be honest, I just think that comes from I suppose, that being forged in the heat of these, being in these situations. Like, you know, Limerick didn't just, this didn't fall out of the sky on top of Limerick, nor did it fall out of the sky on top of that Dublin football team either. It comes from hard days and actually losing some matches and drawing some matches and going through that hard take, but driving on with it. And then eventually, for a small period of time, you have this mental strength within a panel that's a mix of experience and youth and skill and talent and all these things. But you just have a belief that, okay, we are where we want to be and now we're going to close out the game. And I would be saying to people even after the Munster final, and I know it's it's, it's an afterthought now, I, anytime I'm speaking to lads now, I'm saying that it's not by by fluke that Limerick won that match. You know, I know we can talk about Freeze afterwards, but Paddy Andrews is right. Like there's a quality in that team that it's nearly like an, another additional thing that the teams have to deal with to, to, to beat them in that when they're staring down the barrel of losing the game with two, three minutes to go, they still have the confidence and the belief that they're going to win the game and they fully believe it. So that's another element that it's very hard to explain. And I'm sure like Scale, you point back to teams that you're part of that you know when you're in that mode, like a, a team of a certain year or whatever it is, you know when you have it and you know that you're, you know, you're capable of winning. And it's, yep. If you're lucky enough at, at any stage in your career to be part of a team like that, it's, it's an incredible trait to have.
3: Do you think the biggest thing? No more. I always found that um, this may sound like a buzzword, but it was—it was like trust. It was like mm-hmm. um, I say in, in the teams that I was part of. It's obviously you could feel it. It's like it's hard to—it's hard to verbalize. It's hard to actually communicate to someone what it feels like. But it's like this—it's this hidden feeling. It's like an aura, as he said, whereby you're looking around at everyone on the panel, and they're all singing off the same hymn sheet. They're moving the same direction. There's no dickheads on a team like that. Whereas mm. Sometimes you might have teams where there's people pulling the other direction and it's counterproductive. And there's a trust there. So when the, when the heat of battle comes in, you can give a lad a certain pass, he'll get it. You know your defense will, will stand up. You know the management will make the right decisions. You know the subs coming in will be impactful, etc. Yeah. cetera, et cetera. All these things are traits or characteristics of a successful team. Yeah. And so I agree with you heartily more. If everyone, I suppose, will point to the last 20 seconds of the Clare Limerick game and say, ah, Robs were robbed. No, they weren't. Look, in fairness, Limerick did the robbing. They, 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 took, what, they took what they got, in, in fairness, right? And they've been doing that over the last five, six years. So whoever takes them down, and the day will come, but it might not be coming this year, whoever takes them down will, will, will earn it. And they might necessarily pass over the mantle from Limerick, but I said, you're going to have to do an awful lot to beat your team this quality because they've been there, done that, and they've built up this trust amongst each other that no matter what happens in any game, condition, referee decision, that they'll always be in with the point at the last game. And they only have to be in the lead once. That's that's it. So they're an awful animal to put down.
2: Well, that animal scale are going to be without their captain for definitely the All-Ireland semi-final. And again, I'm not sure exactly how bad the knee injury is, but when someone is ruled out of a semi-final a good few weeks out from the game, you would think that this could very well put his participation in the final in jeopardy as well. What do Limerick do now to accommodate for his absence when it comes to the All-Ireland semi-final against Galway or tip in a couple of weeks?
3: Yeah, like for me, um, this is just me speaking, I I would never thrust in someone new into a, into a position as prominent and as important as number six. So I would take someone who's, who's on the team already and move them left or right or up or down. And I think the obvious choice in Murphy, you actually said it would be the likes of a Jimmy Burns type person to come into six and then fill that, his his role, fill the five role with somebody who was, who's got game time in league and championship i.e., Colin Coughlin type person. That's not a bad shout at all. I just can't see a situation whereby Colin Coughlin goes into six, you know, or, or Dan Morrissey yeah. goes up to six. I just can't see that because it's just yeah. too pivotal to the way the Limerick system is played. Because everything, not yeah. everything, but an awful lot is centred around that six and starting up the channels. And, like, Declan's an awful loss. But we've, we've had this feeling probably since the Waterford game that he just wasn't right, you know. That's probably one of the reasons that Keen Lynch isn't playing, that, that you know, that, uh, there's, that there was something amiss, that, that he was carrying something, and like when you hear yeah. a knee injury, if someone said to me a hamstring or a, you know a soft tissue, I'd say fair enough, but a knee sounds more ominous. It sounds like ligament territory. It sounds cartilage. So I, I I'd probably question his participation in the rest of the championship. That's a tricky one to get around. But look, we've, we've stranger things have happened. We've seen it. We're, lads have come back uh, from these, these these injuries. But yeah, tricky position to fill. But I think the obvious answer is to push uh, put Burns into six. I can't see Kyle Hesgill in there. And then a strange one. I just want to throw out a bolter. You know, I love a bolter. I believe Gareth Hegarty plays centre-back for his club. I'm just going to leave that there.
2: <laughs> Put that right there.
3: I okay. love a bolter. Oh, Jeez. Right, hold on
2: now. You can, you can leave it there or you can say, actually, do you know what? Hegarty at six might be inspired. Like, is it a possibility?
3: I Look, everything's possible. I just like, he's such a good player. Uh, like, he's hurling skills. We've often seen him in the half-back play playing back there, even though he's not uh, with the number on his back. But geez, lads, stranger things have happened. I'm not, I'm not ruling it out. But it'll be a ferocious move. Like don't get me wrong. But hey, did any of you expect Kyle Hayes a wing back or Barry Nash cornerback?
0: Mm,
3: no, that's uh, all.
0: Yeah. No, no. You didn't. Didn't. Well, like,
3: you didn't, Murph, you didn't. Okay, before you say, say it Kyle Hayes. I can't remember,
0: I'll be honest. I can't remember <laughs> what I thought from Kyle Hayes. <laughs> back when back. It's not a big moment in my life where I'm close. You, you I you remember were born when, born. I, asked when <laughs> I heard that Kyle Hayes was going to be left-half-back and Barry Nash is going left-corner-back. <laughs> like, I know you dwell on these scale. Like, yeah. It's not like you shot Kennedy, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, Yeah. But to be fair, the other thing I was thinking with that is, is like, it, I don't think it's a question of Hurling in terms of who replaces uh, Declan Hannon. It's who who steers the ship, who's coordinating it. Because it's the centre-back at the moment in Hurling. Like, years ago, if you talk to an outlad, now, actually, that's disparaging comment to make, but if, yeah, if you talk to someone who hurled a good few years ago... Uh, the centre-back was the best <laughs> defender
2: you had. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, dig, you're digging your way out of this hole here, go on. I,
0: knew, I almost sure. said if you talk to a fellow that was hurling 30 years ago, and that's really making <laughs> a terrible <laughs> comment. Well, if you talk to lads who earned who at a certain time, the centre-back was the best defender you had. Like, mm-hmm. that was the way it was. And the mistake you can make now in the modern game is thinking that the best defender you have is the centre-back. The best defender you have isn't the centre-back. The best person, the, the person at number six in a good team... Was actually the coordinator and and, and and like someone that, okay, mightn't necessarily be going up and scoring points and you know will be will be vacating that position to run up the field. It'll be making sure that everybody else is doing their job while Dear McBurns has gone flying up the pitch. And now you're going grabbing someone, saying, "Sit back there for a minute. Let him get back there." So it's it's not just a question of hurling. Of course, it's going the person's going to need hurling. It's going to be someone that is a steady hand and and, and dictates play like Rod Hegarty Like it could be a bolter John Giley is well able to do it but Gerrard Hegarty is a player in a team that you let to his own devices you let him off and go wherever you want to go and cause problems and turn up wherever the reason I think Dermot Burns would win there is because like Dermot Burns and, and Declan Hannan are like the duo on that half back line and the left half back kind of changes then and they control mm-hmm. it and they know how to rule that position I think Dermer Burns will sit into centre back you'll see probably Colin Coughlin then go to the other wing back position and Kyle Hayes. And then you have Dermot Burns dictating to people then. And it'll be also a test to say, Kyle, and will say to him, listen, it's no bother to you. You go in, sit in there, but control the lads. Tell them exactly. You know, tell Darrell Donovan needs to sit back. Tell Will O'Donohue, whatever. But control that central area. It's not a question of hurling. I think it's a question of kind of captains. It's the reason Declan Hans is the captain and he's there. He's, you know, and, and the reason he goes kind of so unassumed during games while doing his job really well. He just steers the ship and he goes about his business and he's not going to be the match winner by going up and soloing up the pitch like Kieran Carey or anything but his job is probably more vital than that because it's nearly it goes unseen so I think the question is and I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Morrissey out there either like you know now Dan Marcy as opposed to Tom Morrissey. I know, Skettle, you're thinking Tom Morrissey because you're like a boulder and all that. But First of all around. I wouldn't be surprised if he likes to Dan Marcy arrive back in there and say, because another experienced person, you could slot in Mike Casey then into fullback and then bring in uh, English into the cornerback. There's options there, but I just is think that, that
2: is that a lot of change in the fullback line, though, given that Finn is mm. out as well? Or look, again, they're all very capable hurlers you've just named there
0: it is yeah and that's the thing and potentially maybe you want to do a move that's not as much of a change like literally you're slotting it's it's like a game of Tetris nearly you're slotting Deirma Burns across Colin Coughlin who has played at wing back quite a bit and has been making features now um, as substitutes into games in that position that seems to be the most likely most likely substitute or most likely person that's going to go in but I think you know John Kylie in this situation is just going to want to have someone that steadies the ship and have the flair happening everywhere else on the pitch. But this is going to want to be, you know, just a steady hand who's in the middle and who will control it from there. Hmm.
2: Um, Scale if they win it. I know you said last week if Galway were to go the long way around and win the All Ireland, it would be the ultimate success to get through Galway and to get through Limerick. For Limerick, though, their panel is being tested now properly this year. If you take it that we're not sure how Hayes's hamstring is going to be, his uncle Kieran Carey was saying last week he should be back for Crow Park for the semi-final, but his season has been curtailed by the championship. Then you take the Sean Finn injury. Now you take the Declan Handan injury. They've been tested in their squad depth more than they probably were in the last four or five. Years here,
3: I, th- I think probably if you take up to the end of 2021, really, they weren't retested. I think they were all really conditioned to come through those respective championships to memory now, unfazed with injury. I don't think they've, they've, they've they actually lost anybody to any kind of injury of any sorts. Not, not none that we know about. Come then 2022, last year, obviously, the Peter Casey uh, crucial injury in the final, then mixed that with Keen Lynch's situation, and you're saying, that. I mean, they still come through that overall situation, the overall championship. Which, Relatively easy. They, they, obviously, they were tested in games, don't get me wrong, but they still countered the victory, which is o- overall impressive. Now, the question is, how are they going to react with, as you said, all those people? And they've been mightily tested. And it's not it's just been, it's not as, it's, it's hard to explain because they're not long term injuries whereby you could say, right, I've lost Peter Casey, I've lost Keenanich, right, let's deal out them. They're injuries that lads are coming in, coming out. We've players who are in and out of form. So, like, <clears throat> whether you're rejigging your team, starting players who are not to be, ex- expected to be started, as a management team, they say trying to deal with the, the unknown is he back in two weeks? Is he back in three weeks? How do we prepare for this game, etc.? And it's the run in the middle of the Munster Championship, it's so it's so hard fought. It's been a, a huge test to Limerick, and that's why I look at these tests. And like at the start of the year, we, we mentioned a whole host of, uh, of possibilities with regards to referee decisions, whether injuries as, as probably the only way to take down Limerick. All of that has been thrown at Limerick, and it's it's, it's seriously impressive. And I wonder if, if he does come through Keen Lynch and we see the Keen Lynch of old because he hasn't really been there. Like he there was there was pieces of it in the in the league, I think he'd agree with me. But he hasn't had the true runner form where by two or three games he's just been the all-conquering links that we've become associated with. Um if he gets back to some kind of form, like just Limerick automatically improve. Like, they just improved to like twofold. I don't mean that I'm not trying to belittle the, the lads that are there, but like his his impact is so massive. Like I, I just I always think of the the Ireland final they played against Cork in twenty one. Do you remember the performance he gave that day? I mean that was yeah. just absolutely awesome. Like awesome. I I think I actually said after that that like no one else should be nominated for Hurl of the Year. It should be just him. That, that's, that's, that's the impact he actually carried that year for Limerick. So like if he gets back to form, that's a huge one. But if he's lost and Declan Hannon's lost, that's that's a test. Like, and we say lost, we mean permanently lost. Let's, let's, let's say permanently lost. That's a huge test for Limerick. And if they come through that in a semi-final, whether it be go or chip, like that's that's just that's that's fodder to them to go forward again to say that. Like the, nothing can stop us. <laughs> I mean that in a nice way, Nothing can stop us in the sense that They've, they've truly been tested they've developed a resolve
2: a steely resolve and keep rocking to final Mark if you were pondering a couple of nights ago as well when we think about Hurler of the Year candidates and so on that there's possibly no one standing out just yet as we get ready for the last five games now
0: yeah I don't think so like there's definitely people will have their own opinions and their own feelings as to you know like the likes of Aidan McCarthy and Clare has been really good uh, there's people showing in you know in different areas um, like Owen Cody has had great bits of flair and Conor Whelan had a great game last week and stuff but like usually at this time of the year we have one or two front runners and we're kind of talking of this person is in hurling, hurler of the year form but if you think about it over the last few weeks that conversation hasn't been there like no it's probably a good reflection in many ways but it's also a reflection that no player has really been consistently completely taken over games um, irrespective of what team they're part of. And I just thought it was interesting points that, you know, even thinking back to last year, we we're looking at Aaron Gillan, we we're saying, geez, it's hard to look past this fella at the moment. And then other players come into the mix then. Um, but it's just interesting at this stage, it's probably maybe a fair reflection of how evenly balanced it is at the moment. Also, maybe a reflection that no team has really um, hit their pump yet in terms of just absolutely dominating. Like everybody, every team has had their kind of off day. Um uh, you know, so it's just an interesting point that I was thinking of. Usually at this time of the year, there's people talking of this fella is going to be hurler of the year if their team makes the All Ireland final. But just at this stage, it's 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 uh, it's it's not there yet. But like that's the exciting thing I think over the next few weeks is that we will have people that will, you know, stick out of the pack there. And like even the likes of Jason Ford could end up coming out of nowhere and getting hurler of the year because you know we see that he's back in flying form looks sharp even though like at the weekend he was he was you know absolutely looked like he was never away from the game and sometimes players can look like they're away from it after an injury but it's just interesting to see who will actually step aside. And look, I know it's a side story. At the end of the day, we're all interested in who's going to get to semi-finals, who's going to be in the All-Ireland final and so on. But I just find it interesting at this stage with all the skill and all the great games we have, there's no real front runner I can see at the moment, real obvious person sticking their hand up saying, this is hurler of the year form.
3: We've only five games left, yeah? Yeah. Do you want to check with the misses there, Mark, to make sure I'm right? Eddie, tell me again. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Unless unless you're gonna magic out some kind of third fourth place playoff here, I would be thinking you've yeah, got the quarterfinals. She said Google it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have five games left, right? Uh, so and in, in those five games we obviously only have like six teams. So you'd imagine how of the year is gonna come from one of those teams, wouldn't you? Yeah. You as, would. as I said, Morford it hasn't really come a light as of yet. There's yeah. probables. Like Galan's a probable. In fairness, I thought Doh Burke would be a problem. On Cody's definitely a probable. Mm. course there's no one Sticking their head above the parapet As you said So whatever happens mm. Between now and the next four weeks That's where A hurler of the year Is going to be found mm. No, not
2: not they're two of the year Yeah they, not It's not a bad position To be in lads If you take right, So I was doing the Hurling power rankings On Thursday morning On OTB AM And I think someone pointed out In the comments afterwards So the team Who I in first place Who were Limerick Beat the team We're in sixth at the moment Cork by a single point In between that You had a whole load of games That were very closely contested Cork and Clare One point between them. The team sitting in sixth And the team sitting in second One point obviously In the two finals Last weekend In the provincial finals So there's barely been A puck of a ball Between the vast majority Of teams who've played each other Inside that top Five, six teams That are now left In the championship So uh, this is set up Very nicely Coming into uh, This weekend here So I guess we, we start with last weekend, which leads into the games this weekend. And unfortunately for me, I got to witness a bit of history, which I didn't really want to see on Saturday, which was the highest scoring total, both for a game and also by a single team in championship history. And that came in Tipperary's 738 total that they ran up against Offaly's 318. 318 should win the vast, vast majority of games, but not when you ship 738 at the other end. Jason Ford coming back with 211 which is a big bonus for anyone who didn't transfer him out in fantasy hurling in the last round uh, before the provincial finals. Mark Keogh scored three goals and three points during the match. Owen Cal got 1-7 for Offaly, but went off with a hamstring injury. And his uh, club year could be finished for Burr as well, which would be a huge blow for them if he uh, doesn't tag as their main scorer. But it beats Wexford record from 1896, And it's the first game that's ever gone over 80 points uh, between the two teams. Tipper 1-7 to... No score up after nine minutes off. He got on the scoreboard through on Cal at that point. And for the vast, vast majority of the game, this was at 20, 25 points. Uh, I think it was 25 points was the gap at the half hour. 324 to eight points, and you're just thinking even when Offaly had a good period in the second half, Tipperary still had a strong finish in them and win by more than thirty points in the end. So obviously it opens up questions, Murph, about particularly the idea of the Joe McDonough finalists and winners going into the All Ireland series at this preliminary quarter final stage. We have had just the one win since they've entered in, which is twenty nineteen, when Leash came off the back of winning at Crow Park against Westmead, and six days later they beat Dublin at O'Moore Park. Generally we've had one of games, particularly against the John McDonough Cup finalists, so no, nothing new about this, but a hell of a scutcheon that awfully took at the weekend just gone by.
0: Yeah, it, it was, but I think it's something that I haven't really seen people talk about either is that Tipperary had to go out in this game and absolutely fire all guns blazing because the last game we saw Tipperary in was the Waterford one, which was absolutely a flop, and for for Tipperary trying to focus back in now on Galway they had to go out and perform really well and just get do away with Offaly, unfortunately. Now, if, if Tipperary had beaten Watford in the last game, okay, they, they would win Munster fine. but let's say they didn't finish the way they finished in Munster. You may have seen a different performance at the weekend. You may have seen a few more players held back. It's hard to know. It's hard to know what, what the case would have been. But because of the last performance and the feeling around Tipperary, Tipperary had to go out and have everyone clicking, going really well, not caring what the scoreboard said, not caring what Offaly are doing and because there there's a quick turnaround to the Galway game and they wanted everything in their mind being clear being okay lads you know we did what we needed to do we had we we said the hard words after the Waterford game we had the hard training sessions like, that's, that, there was no better result for Tipperary at the weekend than putting up a score like that because they showed they were completely, you know, firing all guns blazing again. It's unfortunate for Offaly. Absolutely. Um, but, like, I'd be interested. I didn't really hear uh, much from the Offaly camp afterwards in terms of what their feeling of it was. Because if you look at, I know a lot of the talk now is saying that this shouldn't happen at this stage. Certainly, there's an argument for like, you know, the Joe McDonough coming in and facing teams like this and Lee McCarthy. Is it immeasurable though for the Joe McDonough teams? The likes of Offley, I mean, Will, you'd be best placed to, to mm. speak with this, but, you know, for years, for a few years, they're nearly in the doldrums, kind of saying like, you know, this isn't where Offley Hurling should be. Now you're back up. Okay, your first step back into it, you're going to take a bit of a beating. But I know if you go down to Carlo and you talk to Carlo people, there was a great buzz around Carlo this weekend, the fact that Dublin were coming to town in the Lean McCarthy. You know, there was a really good feel good factor. Carlo were up by a point at halftime and I was listening to the game and it was exciting and you could hear that it was something that the Carlo people kept, could get behind. It was almost a homecoming. Now, I know that wasn't the feeling in Tullamore, but there is positives from these games that I don't think have been highlighted. We've maybe focused too much on it. It doesn't do awfully any good to finish up their last game of the year getting an absolute hammer in. But I don't know. I think before you completely say that maybe this shouldn't have happened, I'd say go down and chat to people in Carlo and see, mm. you know, OK, they were beaten by Dublin. But there was a bit of a fanfare. and You know, one Carlo Hurler, uh, so ex Carlo Hurler on the Sunday game said, you know, it's brilliant, you know, to see Carlo back in the big time. And it, it was almost a case that they were hoping for the best, but if it didn't work out, well, look, we're back where we want to be. So I don't think you can be too dismissive to say that all this was a waste of time. Okay, Tipperary didn't learn a whole lot from it. But at the end of the day, you know, these two teams got to step back into Lee McCarthy and say they played in Lee McCarthy and okay, they're getting ready for next year now and the, the year's over. But I do think there is a few measurables to be taken from these games where you go, okay, it's not all about what was on the scoreboard at the end. It was, you know, the, the step back into Lee McCarthy. But again, there is an argument for the other side whereby it says that does a beating like that do anybody any good? But I don't know, the likes of yourself will and the awful yeah. people would be a better place to say.
2: Look, I think it's a learning curve. Like I did, didn't expect anything from awfully going into that game particularly when it had been three weeks since the Joe McDonough Cup final that's one of the issues too I think is that the Joe McDonough's run off in such a condensed period of time it makes no sense whatsoever that the two finalists then have to wait the best part of a month to go and play in the All-Ireland series and if you win and you're in that good mood that Carlo were in well of course you're going to look forward to having a home game and in their case against Dublin you look at that as a realistic game where you could potentially win and go to a quarter final you're very unlikely to beat the team who finish up in third place in Munster because they are so battle-hardened and hurling at a totally different level and when you go to play them and I, like saw that at the weekend um like i, I don't want to go in any of the awfully players here from an individual basis but there were mistakes that happened in front of goal that led to some of tipperary's goals there were plenty of presents that were laid on for green flags during the match as well that's obviously disappointing and then you see at various different times where the pace of the hurling just caught up with them now some lads flourished in the same situation, like. I there's part of me that kind of hopes that Offley might be able to unearth another option at number six so Jason Sampson can play further forward because Jason's been the Offley captain this year plays forward with his club for the best part or around the middle of the field and he's moved back into a different position in six to play a role and then when he was freed up by the fact that the game was dead effectively it was you go out and her a little bit further forward he looked quite impressive and it's part of me kind of thinking he might add a little bit of extra firepower uh, to the team further forward but you could see that it was a struggle you could see there were young players out there who were not at the same conditioning level that Tipperary are at right now either but maybe that's no harm to get a chance mm. to actually see that because you're playing all year and Offly won Division 2A without losing a game. They lost the last game of the McDonough when they were already qualified for the final and they were beaten by a last gas point in the final against Carlo. So I think Carlo and Offley know the level they're at coming out with the Joe McDonough. But this was a chance for them to play against teams who've been playing at a better level all season. In Carlo's case, they get to play the championship at a higher level next year. In Offley's case, they get to play in the league at a higher level next year. I think the more exposure that you get to top level hurling scale, even if it results in a few beatings along the way, has to give you a chance to actually get accustomed to playing against those teams because otherwise the Gulf will just continue to be there.
3: Yeah. And look, I'm a big believer if in, in team preparation. It's, it's, it's iron sharpens iron will. Hmm. And in fairness, I, I suppose you, today is coming up the best day to ask the offly players, but if you do ask them down on the week, like, did you enjoy the game? And obviously, people say, how would you enjoy the game? But they got exposed to, t- to a top-level team like Tipperary. I suppose Offaly haven't played Tipperary in Championship in, I, I, generally, I don't know how long. I so think it
2: was I think it was the game in Port Portlaoise in 2014, off the top of my head. 14, so. so I got hammered well, that day as well. It was this a um, new thing, you know?
3: I suppose what I'm saying is this group of players, you'd imagine the majority, maybe Ben Keneally might have, but the majority wouldn't have played against Tipperary. So it's nice to get exposed to it. And like, as I said, Ireland sharpens Ireland. And in fairness to Offaly and Carlo, they can only really play what's put in front of them. Now, I mean that respectfully. So they, they have become accustomed to producing a level of a game that can beat that position in front of them. So they, haven't, they have not produced a performance this year, either Offaly or Carlo, that could beat Tipperary. Whereas Tipperary, probably in third gear, having gone through the mill in, in, in the Munster Championship, as, as has been well spoken about, could produce a performance that was sufficient to beat Offaly Carlo. Now, for Offaly to improve and Carlo to improve, they have to continuously get exposed to this environment. You will not improve. It will not happen. I, I don't care what anybody says. It will not happen unless you get continuously exposed to this environment where you have no choice but for your, your iron, a sharp iron. So that comes in training when you understand. And yes, people say the gulf in class. That's the way, that's, that's the way it is at the moment. However, next year could be different for Carlo participation in the inter-championship. Who, who knows what they might produce, you know, and so on and so forth. Because it's a tricky situation. I know it's a hot topic at the minute as to where Hurling is going. But for me, I, I would always be a big advocate that all the counties we speak about, the Antrims, Westmeads, Kerrys, all these counties who are on the kind of up and down, having the yo yo effect somewhat, from the Lee McCarthy to the Joe McDonough, they need to continuously get exposed. They have to get exposed. Yeah. That's why when I hear about people and they're on about um, you know, scrapping the league to a certain degree, I wouldn't agree with that. I think the league, the league is a perfect, I wouldn't say stepstone, but a perfect environment for teams to grow accustomed to playing the top level teams who might necessarily be at full strength. So like an Antrim, for example, or, or an Offaly, if they're in the limit, the, the main Division 1 league and they're throwing the full team out against the Tipperary who might have two-thirds, that's another little couple of percent moving forward. And who, who knows? You get the wheel going, lads. The snowball effect okay. it gets better and better. But if, if you are to, um, how would you say, completely divide and put everyone on one side of the room, the Tipperary, is the guy with Kineas, and say, right, lads, you play your own championship, and then everyone else. Hurling will never improve. The counties will never improve. You know, it just, mm-hmm. just won't happen. So you have to, we have to kind of, I suppose, go through this. Just go through it, and mm. the offlies have to just persevere and keep at it, and the clubs and the schools, and it comes, it becomes a much wider, deeper conversation for hurling as a whole. But yes, it's easy to get distracted by the results and you say, no, this game should never happen. And I, I agree to a certain extent. I, I, th- I think Carlo, for me, deserved the opportunity to play, but the runners up, I'm not sure. Okay, I, I, I think there's probably another way to structure that. So, um, so going forward, I'd like maybe for it to be reviewed. How do you review it? I'm not sure. <laughs> what structure do you put in place? I genuinely don't know. Um, probably a structure that has more inclusion for fourth place teams, Leinster or Munster. I'm not sure, but definitely we can't have a situation whereby the winners of the draw back get isolated. So that's my two cents and I'm throwing it in there.
0: Well, I think, I think particularly, like if you look from both sides, particularly the Joe McDonough side, like let's, or let's say the winners, let's say Carlo, okay? Carlo are facing these teams next year and that's where they want to be and they're, they're there because they're, they've yeah. won the Joe McDonough. Carlo, let's say, right, they won the Joe McDonough and they can go, right, uh, we've won that now, geez, aren't we brilliant and, you know, Joe, maybe we're good enough. They've got one exposure now against Dublin which won't kill their confidence where they go, oh, geez, actually, this is the next step up. And before next year now, like the players get to go off i, I think it's a brilliant thing i think if, it, it's 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 a very positive thing for a group of players i'd love to know the work i need to do if i was a player as opposed to going blindly into it and like you could you could sit down as Caro manager and sit down with Caro and go look at dublin look at their movement look at where they go, look at Sutcliffe, how he moves here look at donald burke look at Connor burke and it won't come through half as well unless you put them on the pitch and you go look at the fucking movement here we can't, can't get up right these right. guys. And right. you put them on yeah. the pitch and they suddenly go lads we, we got away with doing this in the Joe McDonough, but we won't get away with that in Lee McCarthy next year. And they'll be able to then reference, like you'll have, you know, Dara Grey next year going into a dressing room, or i not sorry, Dara Grey. Let's say one of the Carol lads going in and say, Look, lads, when Dara Grey got the ball, did you see him? He moved across this way and he supported. And that's something we're not doing. And you get away with that in Joe McDonough, but you won't get away with that in Lee McCarthy. And then, likewise, you know, for Offley. Okay, lads will go, that's a savage beating for Offley. But Offley and Carlo are the two, let's say, big fish or the biggest fish in the Joe McDonough. And you know, there's, an, there's a, there's an exposure, or there's a players, group of players now who have been exposed to what seriously high level is and hopefully have um, expectations and plans to be back up in the Lee McCarthy in the near future with what they're producing at minor and under 20 level. That is the plan and there's no other way about it. That's the plan. You now have a cohort of players who have experienced what the serious high level is. They'll bring that back into the Joe, Joe McDonough next year. They'll look to improve and they look to improve by incorporating minor and under 20 players into the panel and setting kind of higher standards for them. Because at the bottom line, like they, there's never going to be a situation where Offaly can suddenly just click their fingers, arrive back into Lee McCarty and not take a hammer. They're going to take a hammer at some stage. But the bottom line is, if you were to ask any Offaly supporter, where would you like to see and where do you expect to see Offaly hurling in the next five or 10 years? They'll say Lee McCarty. But... When you take the smaller steps back, you go, will that involve a beating? Yeah, it's going to involve a beating, absolutely. But you'll get to see, the players will get to see the tangible work they have to do. And for Awfully, what I would say is one of the points you'd see from the puckouts, Tipper scoring at will because their movement was something Awfully never experienced in Joe McDonough. So, like, they get a free Tipperary have set pieces that they're working on the training where the movement comes around. And by the time the replay came back, like, Will, you didn't see it because you were at the game. The time replay came back, you had, you know, Jason Ford or someone or Mark Keogh running, pinging the ball over the bar because they were able to unlock Offley. Offly now can go, actually, let's see that movement. It was unbelievable. Do yeah. you think we can do that? Yeah, of course we can do it. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm overly positive, but I think there is stuff here that they, those no, teams
3: can take back no, I think you're right, because I remember a game watching the Munster Rugby, um, it was a couple of months ago, before they got in the good run, and Graham Roundtree was, uh, he was questioned by the reporter as to why he's including so many young players. Yeah. And a, key, a phrase he used, and I might not have the correct wording, but he said, like, a real life match experience is the best method of performance improvement. Yeah. So he said, you can look at it on a video and you can assess analysis, you can do all that. But unless you catch the person and throw them into the environment and say, mm. right, sink or swim, and yeah. then you ask them and you do a performance review, it's the best way. It's the best way forward because you can actually tell a real life experience and that interview results in improvement. So I agree with you. Throw yeah. them in, not, not throw them into the deep end, but yeah, invariably, yes, throw them in and, uh, like they have something to reference. So when Carlo come across now and they're preparing for next year, and they see a ten, what's it, ten it was ten points, was ten points, a ten point gap, they'll say, how do we close the ten point gap? And they'll have yeah. an actual, they'll have a reference match where in real life they've experienced it, and say, this is the team that finished third yeah. in Lensker, and we're ten points behind them. Now, how do we close the gap to get third ourselves? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm that's why I'm kind of I'm an advocate for it. I just yeah, you'd like to try and avoid these types of beatings because you want you'd wonder does it do anyone go to, but there is silver linings and everything. I think.
2: yeah Yeah. the other thing that annoys me as well is some of the people who will be shouting loudest at the moment to remove the preliminary quarterfinals or to change the system will be the same people who will complain about the fact that these teams aren't getting a chance to actually close the gap to the top 8 or 9 counties as well you can't have a boat ways you can't go we would like to actually have fewer of these teams around so we have more competitive matches and at the same time you want to keep them locked away as much as possible in the tiers because unlike the football and we've chatted about this a million times before because there's only one team coming up from Division 2A into the top division each year there's a lot of teams who get caught in that yo-yo by the result of how difficult it is to actually stay within Division 1 hurling and to try and get that experience so look if it means that you have to suffer one or two one-sided games during the year I think there's bigger issues across hurling than there is uh, just to not see a competitive match um, look this is what Johnny Kelly the Offaly manager had to say after the game His interesting review actually pointed out the fact that it was like I won't have seen the replays apparently the footage went down on GA Go with a few minutes to go as well I'm not surprised because there was a monsoon with about 10 minutes to go it was was raining heavy and then it got really really heavy and at that point the lightning started coming down and the lightning was actually reasonably close uh, to the stadium I was happy enough to be in behind the glass at that point both staying dry and also if the lightning had actually come down but I was kind of thinking like this is one of the first times I've ever seen a match where it was like yeah. Maybe the referees should be thinking about the health and safety of the players here because it's yeah. lightning very close.
3: Here it comes. Here it comes. NFL reference. Here it comes. Go on. Give us your NFL reference. What do they do in America when lightning comes?
0: Probably <laughs> <laughs> go play golf in America.
3: I don't know. <laughs> no. They, what they do is they have what's called a 30-minute delay a game. game. Right, okay. Game stops. Game stops. Everyone gets inside.
0: I was, I was at a game when I was young and for years I was telling people I was at the Thunder and Lightning all Ireland final. I actually wasn't because that was played in like 75 or something <laughs> but there, I was at a match at Crow Park I always remember years ago and Kenny were playing and they stopped the game for like 10 or 15 minutes now I'm sure there's someone in the in the like uh, listening to this that could tell me what game that was like I was well, a Be in the, the comments don't worry I say it was 5 or 6 I put it that way I say, no, I say it's maybe 5 I remember being in the Hogan stand I remember the players sitting in the dugout and there was lightning going on and they to just to just call it off for that very small period. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, like I was kind of thinking, like it is lightning, like, you know, as in, and you have a lot
3: of people running around here. Yeah. And what's, uh, what's your face card made of? Yeah, yeah. fucking metal yeah. <laughs> yes, that's what I need now I'm
0: I, I if you're getting struck by lightning your face guard be made of metal is not an important part of it,
3: you're probably fucked anyway <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> oh yeah, fucking let's strike <laughs> me twice now to put me down on the same <laughs> we'd actually spring a bit of life into you if you hit you with lightning well, well, uh, the, about ult- life, God knows. the ultimate <laughs>
2: sadism on top of all that then as well was as the game was ticking down and I think Tip six goal had just gone in. The stadium announcer announces there is going to be four minutes of injury time at the end of the game, and you're just there thinking, RF, just blow this up right now <laughs> and get everyone in and let everyone get dry. But yeah. unfortunately, the game went done and the seventh goal went in for Tip la- So the last time allowed
0: to open off the lad blew up an match early, now will I don't know. I didn't <laughs> too
2: well, so. I, there would have been no sit down protest. Quite <laughs> aside, if no one wanted to sit down in the monsoon. I think yeah, they would yeah. have went over and thanked the referee this time around for a small mercy. But sure, look, uh, no, this no. is what Johnny Kelly, the Offaly manager, had to say by no, the way when he was asked. <laughs> <laughs> All begin to go, it, <laughs> it worked <laughs> out pretty well for Offaly though, didn't it? Well, exactly. Um, can I, go, the Cla- I'm sure I can see the Claire comments already uh, causing problems at this stage on the uh, YouTube at the moment. 15,000 people, by the way, watched YouTube last week, which I think was our, our highest of the season, which was uh, fantastic. I think we we'll, might look at another live this weekend. We'll work that out a bit later on. But this is what uh, Johnny Kelly, the Offaly manager, had to say. Another Galway man uh, talking about the win for Tipperary. And also, whether it should now be a case of the GA remove the Joe McDonough winners and finalists from the All-Ireland preliminary series.
4: Look, the Joe McDonough final is the like All-Ireland for, for that level. Okay? And, you know, today was a sort of, a, 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 you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a bonus to play the likes of Tipperary this time of the year, even though it might not appear so after that result. It is. took like there was no turnaround between the league and, the, and Joe McDonough. For these teams that are really like brilliant, Carlow won the fair play you know, to them, there was no gap between the, the, the league final and we say the start of the Joe McDonough Cup. You're asking the, the counties that are struggling with numbers to play the most games in the tightest window not on and it's not fair and it needs to be looked at, I mean, look at we're all intelligent people there there's lots of guys around that have opinions on how this structure could be let's listen to the people that are on the ground that see this day in day out and maybe we can improve it that way
1: so from your own point of view do you do you accept that, do the Joe McDonough winners and runners up do they need to qualify into the all Ireland? do they need to play the all Ireland, or would you rather the, would you rather the Joe McDonough be more stretched out that you have a proper detailed season
4: well my own personal opinion is that the Provincials aren't working the provinces don't work straight up if you look at the Provincial campaign there's good counties there in, in, that are gone out of it like a top level teams you know yes because uh, the Munster hurling Championship is such a, a, a you know a, 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 a you know it's such a you know important competition in the GAS calendar to keep that but like the truth is it's not working Leinster is, has, is a combination of so many teams they'd be better served if they kept their, their their provincial campaign as a league but like when it comes to Ireland Championships pick the best 10 teams or 8 teams to go into that and an open draw and go that way.
2: Johnny Kelly there. Again, every single time it comes up, the idea of having a non-provincial-based Championship series Potentially with a group stage Seems to be the only solution If we're actually Going to change this around But maybe that's one For a debate On a quieter week A lot of the comments Coming in uh, Quite a few of them Were around the Primary quarterfinals uh, What's the crack Dairy farmer On Instagram Says Offaly and Carlos Shouldn't be involved In the All-Ireland Championship um, Pierce P. O'Connor Offaly with 318 And still hammered Is it too easy to score And what can be done To change I don't know I don't know what you think About that scale I mean obviously This is the first time We've Seen more than 80 points in a game. People are always talking about the fact there are too many scores in matches. Um, this one probably comes somewhat down to Tipperary been absolutely out for blood when it came to the game after what happened against Waterford. I don't know. Is this one a, a bit of an outlier or is this a regular problem now with the amount of scores we're seeing?
3: I don't know. Like I, I just, the score is one thing, but the, the, the gaps in matches is what I've been looking for. Like, This is, is an outlier. Like, You're talking about 59 points to 27. So it's obviously it's over the 30-point mark, but if you go through all our games whether it be Leinster or Munster like there's only been I think the average margin of, of defeat there was 26 games including the finals in Leinster and Munster this year and the average margin of was six points so it's not an awful lot like so I know people can say oh yeah there was a whole it was easy to score that's just that's just one particular game that's, that's I would call that probably an isolated incident but if you look at the games as a whole all all the championships like it's been very competitive throughout and on average and I think the game has never been in a healthier position like there is there is the odd games where you get let's say if if Kikini play Westmead and, and you get you get beaten I get that right, but that's just the it's the nature of the beast when you've got the championship structure the way they are. So I would say I leave all well alone in terms of the rules of the game. Like I know people will will try and, and, and I suppose structure the rules in such a way that it makes them more competitive because whether we like it or not supporters are spoilt. All supporters want is excitement. That's all they want. They want mm. they want They want to rush of blood. They want excitement. They want hits. They want physicality. They want all that right. So they don't really give a shit about the teams. <laughs> they just want excitement. They just want, as a neutral, whether it be neutral or not, they want their product that they're watching on their television or watching the person be the best possible product. And so if there's too many scores, they say it dilutes the product somewhat. So for me as a hurling person, like I love, I, I think we should be rewarding skill. So if if a, if a person can shoot like a Jimmy Burns from 100 yards, reward them. A sideline, reward them. You know what I mean? Or if a team like Tipperary can open up off the way they can, reward them. So let them keep scoring at free will. It's up to offer. It didn't stop it, I'm afraid. That's just the nature of the beast, I'm afraid. But I wouldn't touch the game well. Structures, yes, in terms of championships, I would have a little tinker with them. But in terms of the game itself, no, leave it alone.
2: Okay, um, this brings us around nicely because you already mentioned. Or if you were like me, uh, I got back. I put on around about half time. I think when I got home in the Carlo game, so I had to put on KCLR for the Carlo versus Dublin game because there was no TV coverage and it wasn't on GAA Go. And that question has been asked by Connor Rob ninety three uh, Dublin versus Carlo game not televised. How are Carlo and Dublin supposed to progress? We're, kind of, we're going to take that as an all-encompassing question. I'm really surprised this wasn't on GAA Go. Mm. I don't know, maybe if putting Tipperary on was attractive because Tipperary one of the real live contenders uh, to win the All-Ireland Championship, and that's why it was on. But to me, this was the game that actually had the potential for a surprise with Carlo winning. That's why I'm surprised they didn't show it.
0: Yeah, like if you were to pick one of the games that you thought there might be an upset in, it might have been Dublin and Carlo, um, but not tipping awfully. It's, it's hard to know why. And I, look, it's understandable as well, I suppose, for Carlo people to say, like, we're the Joe McDonough champion, so maybe his preference should be given to us. Um, and it was actually an exciting game, like, is in Carlo, we're up by a point at half time. Great crowd in, in Netwatch Cullen Park as well. Um, if you're listening to KCLR, Brendan Hennessy was absolutely going cracked as he normally does when he's uh, when he's commentating. He nearly comes out of the press box. But it it what did, did sound exciting, and it's just the case that Dublin just pulled away in the second half. But it was more of a game than 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 Tipperary. Look again, um, maybe it was a case that they looked and they said, look, well Tipperary here, maybe there, maybe there'll be a bit more of a. I suppose of a viewership here with, with Tiffin Offaly I don't know it's hard to know but certainly I look don't know it's- Murph,
2: I think most of Tipperary were at the game I think there was about 7,000 oh. Tipperary people there
0: yeah. yeah well there you are look I mean it, I think there is more reason to, to show Dublin and Carlow I'd agree with you so um, I think Carlow people can feel, feel a bit more aggrieved that their, their game wasn't um, that their game, game wasn't showcast.
2: Yeah, well, look, we were listening on the radio, but the course of it, and having seen some of the highlights on the Saturday game as well, uh, Carlo were hit by a point at halftime, as Murph mentioned, 13-12. Uh, then there's a goal from Mark Rogan after he was played in by Keno O'Sullivan, uh, which put them in front. And after that, Carlo didn't go back ahead in the second half, but at no point did you really feel that they were buried, even just from listening to the game. And then there's about eight minutes to go. I think it's either nine or eight minutes to go. Carlo have got it back to two points. Have a chance for a goal, don't score it and then Dublin run off that one six to just a point in the closing stages but the Keno Sullivan goal came pretty much with the last puck of the game which perhaps puts a bit of gloss on the scoreline as well Um, so even if it was a 10 point differential in the end scale the reality is that for an hour Carlo were incredibly competitive with Dublin which is like something for them to build on going into next season as well because if Carlo were going to get a result in Leinster it's going to be probably against Antrim or Dublin or maybe Wexford Yeah
3: but I I just wondered just, just Does their objective change a bit now? Like say, obviously Dublin are they're in the middle of the championship. They didn't quite have the 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 exertion I would say Carlo had with the number of games and whatnot. And Carlo are, are putting up a good contest towards Dublin. Now, granted, the conditions weren't hectic. It was a home crowd. Um Carlo probably got up a bit more for the game than Dublin did. So it's a ten points read, not, not too far away, I'd imagine, uh, when you consider the whole the game as a whole. But I I suppose it's easy for Carlo people. Really what I'm trying to say is is to look at the Westmeaths, look at Antrim and say, right, there are the fixtures we're going to point towards. But if you're going to go anywhere, you want to be looking at the Dublins, looking at Westfords and say, right, there are the fixtures we're going to target. And like aim, aim for that level and then bring everyone else with you underneath that. Um, and it's good. It, it just gives a base. I, I covered it already. It gives a base for Carroll to aim at. It, it gives them a target. It gives them, let's say, uh, it gives them information. It gives all the players information that they know what to do. Their championship is over. They'll return to their clubs. They'll become let's say, individual mindset for each club. And they'll probably return the backing for County uh, in, in the fourth quarter this year. And they'll know then that they'll have to get fitter, stronger. Hurling has to come way up. The pace of Hurling, all the tangibles of the game, all that kind of stuff has to come way up if they're going to match match Dublin. And they've got two, I suppose, two uh, great methods doing in the league was, uh, is, as, a, as a precursor, as a warmer, and then in, in straight into the championship. So they've got ample opportunity. They've got, they've got time now. So they're not being rushed for anything. And so I just hope that they put the right structure in place for the team and uh, see if they can go somewhere next year.
2: Yeah, um, we'll hear a bit from uh, Richard Cody here, who's been, you know, one of Carlo's most uh, long-serving players of all time. He came on during the game against Dublin. He's won the Christy Ring three times. He's now won the Joe McDonough two times after this season as well. And he was speaking to the aforementioned Brendan Hensy after the game on the pitch on KCLR.
1: I, I suppose it went, it went to plan. Like um, up to the we scored two points down, Like we wanted to bring it on the home stretch. So from that point of view, it's is a point in the way um, we, 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 you know, we couldn't push on and equalise or go ahead. Um, um, look, uh, look at how we did. We did ourselves proud. But I suppose we said a half time, that uh, those moral de- uh, defeats are no good anymore. So, look, we know where we need to be now next year, and look, it's back to the club now. And um, look, we'll we'll bust on again. So, look. But all in all, you've had a few great years with Carroll. You'll have lots more great years with
4: Carroll. It was a good year.
1: Oh, definitely. Look, we 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 started, started the year to win and joint on that. And we've done that. So. Um, anything after that Was a bonus But as I said we, we, were two, we were two points Down eight minutes to go So the game was there To be won And we didn't win it, Which is disappointing But well, we'll learn from it And we'll move on Yeah there were a few Little simple
4: chances Missed today wasn't there Sometimes they all go over And that's the small margins Isn't it
1: Yeah definitely um, Yeah some some bad weeds From our, our point of view And didn't, didn't really Threaten a goal Which is disappointing Because we were We've been going well With the goals But um yeah, look, this disappointing not, the,
2: not the window, to win no concert because it was there to be won. And that brings us around nicely to looking forward to this weekend's games. So, Marfa, give you the first shout because Junior Zed Herder, or Mife as he is on Instagram, was straight in contact with us and said, give me a reason that Dublin can beat Clare. How can Dublin hurt Clare at the weekend? So, you've got first shout on that. Do, do we say how they hurt them or where they hurt them? <laughs> <laughs> The
0: obvious give answer being in,
3: in the car park after the
0: game, is it?
3: <laughs> yeah, give us both, please. Yeah.
0: Um, how did Dublin hurt Clare? I just don't see Dublin hurting Clare at the moment. Uh, now, having said that, I didn't see Dublin putting up anything against Galway um, in Leicester semi final either. So, uh, like, I would say Leicester semi final, what, what it turned out to be Leinster semi final. But, you know, I just don't see Clare. Clare, I think, at the moment are going, we want to get back into Ireland semi final um, and play Kilkenny or most likely play Kilkenny and. We want to push on, like, I mean, I just see Claire where they're at, at the moment, having just a bit too much for them. Like again, if if we're going on my farm here, like Dublin again, I, we're, we're finding it hard to shake Carlo. Do you put Carlo and Claire in the same category? No, you don't at the moment, you know. Um, it's 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 a good reflection of Carlo and it's it's probably a reflection of Dublin that they're not pushing on to where they need to be, or they're not doing the equivalent of Tipperary to Offaly and just going out and getting rid of teams that they should be potentially beating fairly well. So at the moment I don't see where Dublin can can beat Clare. Like they're, they're reliant on, on on Danny Sutcliffe and you know Donald Burke, obviously, hugely there. But Clare have the defenders to go out and, and, and account for those. And then Clare going forward. I mean, Clare's forwards, not to mind forwards, but the lads they have on the bench are seriously strong. So I only think the moment that the way that Clare don't win this game is that Clare don't come tuned for this game and are looking one game ahead as opposed to looking at this game. I think that's the only way, unfortunately, because I just don't think realistically Dublin are in a position to go and have a savage tilt at Clare. I don't know, is there, like, it's not even a game whereby that there's much baggage going into this for Dublin where they have a grudge against Clare where they can even muster something there. It just seems very much that on farm, on skill, on you know teams on paper, I don't see where Dublin can actually even muster this at the moment. I don't, I don't see the threat coming from anywhere in particular. So, like the first game, I just see going Clare's way. Mightn't be. I don't think it mightn't even be a hellraiser of a game. I think it's very much that Clare will just be once they get into the groove, they'll just keep them at arms' distance and just see out the game, and um, potentially even taking off a few players, keeping lads fresh up until they all are in the All Ireland semi-final. So, look, unfortunately, I don't see this. I don't see as a Dublin supporter going to this game a huge amount. Love to eat my words Monday morning, be happy out to do
2: it, but I just don't see it happening. Right, that's a fairly grim assessment for anyone who's thinking of getting the train down to the Gaelic Grounds on Saturday <laughs> afternoon scale. So Wait to promote the game there, Paul. Yeah, give the Dubs a bit more hope here. What do you want me to do? Like promote the game? That wasn't it, the question. Promote
0: the game. <laughs> She's just sorry, like you know, and I didn't go full Don Logan there, like you know, mentioning <laughs> the emergency
3: halfway through it, like you know. <laughs> Oh jeez, okay. Where do Dublin hurt? Clear? I, 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 can't see an awful lot of places where they don't hurt. They do hurt them. Like I think Donald Burke doesn't score from play at the weekend. Like, and if he's going to, if if, if Dublin are going anywhere, I always pick on the, the big players, the big teams. that have to stand up and stand up hugely. So like, Donald Burke is going to have to come up with double figures. He's keen as going to have to come out with one three or four. Like Grogan the same way. Dan Sutcliffe. Like that's what that's what the level of performance that the Dublin four is going to have to produce to be clear. Now, will they do it? I don't think so. I can see Jordan Burke might get a point or two, Dan Sutcliffe might get a point, Keenan Sutcliffe might get one one, but all that doesn't accumulate to a scoreline that can take down Clare. On the flip side, can the Dublin backs hold the Clare forwards? I don't think Dublin would have seen what uh, a team like Clare up to date like because when you go through all the two other teams that Dublin have faced, every team plays pretty much orthodox. They play with a kind of a, I suppose, a two man full for forward line, three to four man half forward line, limited movement, and you know you, you can kind of set yourself up for that. Claire go kind of all over the place. We know the pace they have with with Taylor, Fitzgerald, Kelly, McCarthy, Rogers, etc. So I think they'll show new no dimension at Dublin. I don't think Dublin will have the answer. We've seen these quarterfinals before that Dublin have played in thunders against the Walfords and these teams, and they just they they might stay in the game for a period, and you might be surprised with their first half and say this is a close game. But ultimately, I think it'll stretch out. I think Claire will have will have a uh, not even the, the 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 pace, but it's the pace of game, the, the pace of Claire's hurling. Dublin won't be able to keep up with, it, in my opinion, and. I think, as a whole, I think Dublin if they can keep if they can be competitive, ultra competitive, and and have a good attitude for the whole game, and keep this to like a one or two score game. What I mean by that is four, five, six points. That's a good result for Dublin. That that is a really good result when you consider, as I keep saying, new management and the new turnover of players. So when we when we decided what's a good year for Dublin at the start of the year, we said getting out of uh, Leinster and being competitive in the quarter final, and who who knows after that. So I think if if that happens, if they can maintain competitiveness at the weekend and keep it to 1-2 score game that looks like a successful year for me for Dublin so but I can see a situation as whereby well they take down Clare there's there's nothing there's no part of their game there's no players that, that I can see that, that actually have it in their armory to take them down so I'm going to go Clare by realistically I'm talking seven, seven eight, I'm
2: afraid Just to take up Murph's point as well, Scal, about the idea that maybe Clare come into this with half an eye in Kilkenny, maybe thinking about getting back for a third match against Limerick and not totally focused in the moment. I don't think you're going to see that from Clare, not with the way they've hurled in the championship so far this year. I'd be be very surprised if there was a flat Clare performance. Now, I know against Wexford at this stage last year, they only really came to life with about 10 or 11 minutes to go, but they still got the job done. I, I don't see Clare having any monster hangover on Saturday.
3: It's, it's hard to see. Uh, I suppose if they're playing a, a team, uh, I, I mean, this is a nice way, a better opposition. Like I think they'd, they'd get up from emotionally. I think Clare are quite emotion based. I think their their team management supporters are very emotion based. They're it's like they're very united, if you know what I mean. And like I think Clare needs. They they need reason to go out a team if you know what I mean like Limerick is the obvious one <laughs> you know, Tipperary's is history you know Munster is very easy to pick up reasons to why you want to go out a team but maybe Clare have no they've no issue with Dublin or no beef with them I say so mostly you say where is that going to come from so they'll depend on their skill and sometimes in these games what you see is uh, it starts off kind of flat you don't see the Clare you expect you know sometimes you, they, they start off it's, it's only a point or two in at half time and then after that then they've got the scare and they just turn up the dials turn up the heat and then they, they stretch out the victory. Um, that's the way I can kind of see the game going I can't see them racing in like and hitting as hard as they've, they've hit against Limerick I, I can't see a situation like that because I just I don't think the game warrants it you know I don't think they, they themselves and you can say it this can be discussed in the dressing room this can be mentioned by management teams this is coming down the tracks so we want this off you we want the insatiable desire we want the aggression just like you gave you against Limerick but there's something in the human body or the brain that just doesn't program that way unless you've got the enemy in front of you and for, for right now Claire's enemy is Limerick you know Oh, that's that, that's the reality, of it. and their enemy is not Dublin, I'm afraid. So I can see them producing the same level of aggression, intense, you know, energy for the first few minutes or twenty minutes, like, like we saw against Limerick. But ultimately, that'll wear down uh, Dublin, and they'll, they'll they'll steam through. So uh, I still doesn't change anything, will I? Just think it'll be a diff- different type of performance. It'll be a different type of emotional performance, and it'll be one. It'll be more of a Ohio classes a workman like performance, just getting through it, getting the payday, and uh, I'm afraid moving on.
2: Yeah, championship meetings between these two teams fairly rare as well. Dublin beat Clare in an All Ireland final at the tail end of the 19th century, but for recent memory, 19th uh, Clare won in the championship in 2012. Hey, look, the hurling, hurling existed back then as well. So. I know 19th century. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think it was 1896 or 97 for memory, and oh, then Dublin. Oh, who knows? I'm sure sure it was one of your Galway lads who were repping it, no doubt. And uh, Dublin won when they met in the championship back in 2010, which is 222 to 15 points. But precious few championship meetings between the sides. So that that rivalry uh, isn't really there, Murph. Um, What Skell just mentioned, though, Murph, was this idea of sometimes you go in and you're maybe not as switched on uh, when it comes against, say, a team that you don't have a rivalry with or where that kind of natural motivation isn't there. Did you ever feel that in a game where you went into a reasonably big match against a team you didn't really care about as a result maybe that fire wasn't there
0: yeah like from a similar position let's say when we've often mentioned when we lost Leinster final in 2012 like we had faced Limerick uh, was it the following week or two weeks later I can't remember what it was Uh, but you know, we hadn't a rivalry with Limerick at that stage. You know, Kenny had played them in 2007. Um, but even there was a turnover of, of personnel in, in the Limerick set up there. And, you know, there was no residual kind of a feeling after that. But we had to play them. We were coming from one place. They were coming from another place in that, you know, we'd been beaten heavily in the Leinster final. We were dealing with that. And they just did come through a monster as well. And, you know, you know, we're just coming from two different angles. And it took us a while to get into that game. And But eventually when we did it was just a matter of getting over the game and assessing where you were then what can you take for that and you were building then for a tilt at an all Ireland semi final with tips. so that's where we came from i suppose kind of similar kind of similar in ways to where claire are coming from like claire didn't take a beating but they were disappointed after Munster final they wouldn't take much to bounce back from that for claire now like claire just reassessing but i think the the trick for claire here is all the narrative up until now has been munster and you know without fail the conversation has been about limerick you know and Sure, they can not meet Limerick now until an All Ireland final, isn't that? That's that's right. Yeah. If they can't mm-hmm. be. yeah. So, yeah. Clare actually has to go now, and I agree with you, scale. 100%. they're an emotional team. They play an emotional. They play in the tradition of what they're doing, and all these different things, uh, and the crowd getting behind it. Like th- there could be an argument for saying last year in the, in, in, in the All Ireland semi final was that emotion there, or you know th- we still don't know why that performance came about in the All Ireland semi final against Kilkenny. But there was no passion involved in that all Ireland semi-final. So now, you know, Clare have to go through two games, essentially, where the narrative isn't about Limerick or isn't about anything like that. It's playing two games that you need to, like if they want to get to an all Ireland final, that go and beat these two standalone teams, find a reason to get emotional if if that's the way you play best, and go out and beat them. And I do think there is a kind of an element here where, you know, they can be flat. They can go out flat against Dublin because, granted, they have the better hurlers and so on, but those hurlers hurl best when there's a bit of fire in the belly and you know they, they feel a bit aggrieved, and there's a bit of anger will they feel that anger against Dublin I don't think they'll feel that anger against Dublin so I think this could be quite flat uh, of a game and agree you touched on it there I do think this could be quite flat but that's the challenge for, for Clare now it's not about anybody else it's about yourself now like you know as in are you self-motivated or is it the case that you get angry at other teams you know and that you know this team we felt hard done by we should have beaten them we should have beaten them and so on and you know is it the case that you're happy where? to just go and perform for yourself, that you're going out there to win for you, for the panel, you're going on to the semi-final and that's, that's the motivation there. So that'll be the trick for Claire. and I think they're fully capable of doing it, fully capable of getting up for any game, absolutely. But it's a new angle now. The narrative isn't about Limerick anymore. It's about you going through and the narrative, if they beat Dublin, it'll be a case of, you know, you're facing to Kenny What's the hang ups from last year? Is there any, yeah. won't there be any playing in Crow yeah. Park? Are you already playing in Crow Park? You know, you don't win so many games up there. It, th- this is going to come back again. So, uh, touching on what Skel said there, you know, take the emotion out of it and get very practical and pragmatic about it. Like, you're going to win games here. You're going to get to an All Ireland final. And you have to beat these teams if you want to get there. So, do you perform the same way you do when Limerick aren't on the table? That's the next question for Claire.
2: And, Skel, for all your cheek, Wikipedia had the answer. Second ever All Ireland final. Dublin B Clare five four to one six in Inchicore, and John Considine was the referee. I don't
1: know. Jesus,
2: I would have said Daniel O'Connell was the referee or something like, that.
3: <laughs> I'm like My that. That was
0: the time. Yeah, that was the time that someone from the IRB threw in the ball or something like that. At the right, time. probably. The, rest, the game yeah, probably. The game was played at three, three in the morning under <laughs> under candlelight or something like. They weren't allowed to play it or
2: something. Yeah, yeah there you go. Well, it well, wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't until 1895 that they went to Jones's Road to play games, which is now obviously Crow Park at the stitch. So yeah. you'd Burr for the first one, then Inchicore, was in Drumcondra for three years in a row, played in the Phoenix Park then, and then Jeez. back to Drumcondra for one more, and then. They went to Crow Park after that. Now, there's a few others. They went to Dungarvan and to Cork and Carrigan Shore and it moved around a little bit before it went back to Crow Park again. But uh, that's your early hurling history for you for today. Yeah.
0: And a random one. Then Harry Boland refereed one of the games. Michael Collins is kind of left-hand man. He refereed the Leinster final. In, I think he hurled the Leinster final as well, but he refereed one of them. All right. So there was kind of... we getting well into the history here now. We're out
2: doing Don Logue again. With the, he went to World War 2 we We're going to the... I'm uh, right it's, but see, it's, it's far more interesting than Murphy before World War II like Kerry winning a hurling All-Ireland before they won a football All-Ireland Kerry yeah. won the fourth ever final so back when yeah. Wexford were the kind of unlucky losers back then as well so we'll, we'll get a hurling historian on for one of the shows we'll do a, a random <laughs> one at some point uh, James Murphy was in contact as well Skell. I think he made an interesting point this was when we were in the waiting stage this afternoon to see where the fixtures were going to be and he was saying that if Clare had an option would Crow Park be a good choice to have played the quarter final in because the Hurlers have only hurled there a handful of times since 2013 half of them won there since the All-Ireland final that year and he was saying if they're going to go back there to play against Kilkenny and potentially play an All-Ireland final there that if the option had been there Crow Park would have probably been the perfect venue for Clare to Hurling
3: yeah it's a very good shout and um, <clears throat> I remember, back just if if you take this on, on a personal level, I remember a f- mm. few years ago, it could be ten, fifteen years ago, we at home let's say we used to have this 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 mental blockade. We're playing playing in La We had not won a game in La uh, in senior for it could have been six, seven years, and all the time we we performed bad. And like all it was was just a mental block. That's all it was. And once once we got over the first game, it just it took off. I think we've won probably ninety percent of our games there now. But the fact of the matter is, it was. It was nothing physical, it was nothing, you know, in your preparation, it was just all in the mind. That's all, that's all it was. So if you uh take this game now and say, right, let's clear the clear players, and like I'm not talking about all the clear players, I'm just talking about all the checks is maybe one or two, or even someone in the management or, or supporters that oh shit, we're going back to, to Crow Park, it's been 10 years we're playing a, a team that decimated us last year. That, that 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 the fact that you're actually having that conversation is an issue, you know what I mean? Whereas I think there's probably there's there's something what what that man has said, go back to Dublin you take care of business. Now that voodoo is gone, it's, it's out, it's finished, and you move on to the next one. So it would have been a bad shout. if the option was available. I doubt it was, though. I can't. I can't see it being available when you consider, um, you know, bringing three teams up versus one team down. <laughs> I can't. But if, if the option was there, I would have taken it from a clear perspective. Certainly, if I was a clear player or clear management, I would just like to go, take care of business, get it done, and this thing just just start fresh for two weeks' time with the cats coming down the road.
2: Mm. Then it's not even a conversation either. That's the thing. No one can turn around and say, Ooh, Claire's record isn't great since 2013. Because you're saying, Well, they just won there a couple of weeks ago uh, before they went to a semi final. So.
3: You've just said it like Murph just said the narrative when he spoke about Limerick, and he's right. But if you if you play that game and win it, you've just taken that out of people's conversation. You've completely taken mm-hmm. it, and it's gone. And now all it becomes is, is just the performance. It's, it's just Claire versus Limerick. And what will happen then, invariably, is that people will focus on Claire's good performances this year versus mm-hmm. what they, they produced last year. Granted, that will become part of the topic because it's just the nature of the way. People are and they're comparing the two teams and the the fixture itself. But yeah, if if that game was available and you go take care of business, you just rule out a whole different avenue that people can come at you and it's gone. But alas, not to be. So so this time next week, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to be talking about how in one in 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Big issue for
2: (laughs) Well, yeah. What would you have done, Murph, if the choice had been there? Would that have been a good option for them? Oh, I agree with greyscale uh, from a player
0: from a management I'd say from anyone on the panel with Claire um I think you'd you'd love to go up and rehearse basically for your All Ireland semi-final. It's not to sound disrespectful to Dublin or anything like that, but like there is a huge part to be played in the full day that surrounds playing a game, like in terms of getting that down, getting your routine down. Like they're going to jump on a bus there if let's say right, beat Dublin, you're you're getting ready for an All Ireland semi-final. You're getting on a bus there, heading up to Crow Park. All that stuff is hugely important for getting players ready, you know, and, and, and it's not to be dismissed either. And I think if, if the Clare supporters want, were, were to be selfish for their team here in terms of, you know, I suppose, you know, allowing their team to do this, you would want the Clare team to actually play in Crow Park and play Dublin there because it's a great, it, like, let's say the golden minute, it's a great dry run to go and actually play against um, Kilkenny because you can fine tune a few things. If like I remember, we played. We played G-Scale up in Salt Hill. It was the time Ed Sheeran dug the pitch out of it, I think in 2018, I think it was. It was yeah. it was a scalding sunny day up in yeah. up in Salt Hill. Never saw that much sun in Salt Hill before. Usually, usually we play in the league or the Welsh Cup up there and it's lashing rain. Yeah. It was roasting hot and we completely got our preparations off because we arrived a little bit late and then when we got to the hotel, they fucking had boiling soup and everything and we were roasting. Now, know lads will be listening to going, what are you talking about? we were absolutely wrecked we were, we were drained from the sun getting into the dressing room and from now on I'm fairly sure Kilkenny Kenny stay up literally after that game Kilkenny stay the night before in Galway after playing him in the round robin because the three hours on the bus they're trying to get that right and then suddenly you get stuck in Salt Hill traffic and you're you're half an hour behind now and now you're racing to get through and you're rushing players players like to be relaxed they like to be have a few bucks around they like to have enough time, but not so much that you're hanging around. All these things are things that you have to cater for, not just going out and physically playing the match. So I think, yeah, look, I know in a long-winded way about it, if Claire had an opportunity to go up here and play in Crow Park, absolutely, you played in the Gaelic Grounds enough this year, let's go up to Crow Park, play a game there, get the mental side of it out of the way, get the preparation side of it out of the way, and it would stand to you more than playing in the Gaelic Grounds,
2: I fully believe. Well, Skell, I didn't have to deep into, or into dip into ancient history even for the rivalry between Galway and Tipperary, because quite a few meetings in Championship and in the Business of Championship over the last decade. So you'd be delighted to know Galway have won three of the last four meetings between the teams, including the last time they met in Limerick, which is the quarterfinal in 2020. Also, in the semi final in 2017 and the 2015 semi final when the yeah. teams met. Uh, we get to talk about the Canning uh, glory point and all that. Uh, Tip did win the 2016 semi final at Crow Park, the qualifier at Temple Stadium in 2014, and the quarterfinal back at Crow Park. So, it's a pretty even share over the last 13 years. But um, Galway have had the better of the meetings over the last six or seven years here, Skell, when you would have been heavily involved with the teams in those games.
3: And I, I think it probably coincided too, Will, that they were probably both both counties uh, had, had probably generational teams. I think probably mm. that, through that phase, if you go through, you know, from 15, 16, in them years I think uh, what well, the, the goal team that was there was probably the best goal team that was produced over the last 30-odd 30, 30 years. And like that with Tipperary, with the nucleus of that team wasn't just one or two people, it was seven or eight guys that we still see playing today, Norma McGrath, Amos Cannon, Bonner, all these guys. So I just think it was a good rivalry that developed and like, personally speaking, I know I'm accused of sometimes of speaking of my mind too, honestly, right? But Jay's, I, like, I have good friends at Tip Ray, right? This is <laughs> a dangerous going to be good. I have a <laughs> dog, yeah. you know, man, like, and he's, he's, a, he's, a really, he's your best friend, like James Egan. He plays it with us here, right? But Jay's, I hate Tip. <laughs> I hate them. That's not what it is. It's an insatiable hatred. And my uncles would always say to me, when you have the Hay saved and Tip bet, that's a good summer.
2: Yeah. So, <laughs> like,
3: and that's it or we have to win this game by any means possible and that, that, that's I guarantee there's goal players at this minute saying we have got to win this game whatever it is when we talk about emotion like we don't have rivalries with anyone in Connacht for obvious reasons so we pick our nearest neighbours so for me my biggest rivalries are with Clare or Tipperary just personally from my playing days and I guarantee you nine-tenths of that team there now are looking at Tip which just there's a arrow, there's, there's a bullseye in their back and, and likewise, going out to Charlie's training tomorrow evening, there's a bullseye aiming up the way too. So <laughs> it just, it, just it, it does. And it's a great fixture and always produces the goods. I can't remember a gawaii tip game, certainly in the last 10 or 12 years, that it actually failed to produce a really exciting, maybe one-point, two-point finish. So that's what I'm expecting again. And ultimately, what you have now is two teams who probably didn't see the way the, the year going the way they wanted to go so far, truthfully speaking. I think Gawaii probably wanted to win Leinster, probably wanted to get to a Munster final. Probably coming from two different positions and they're going to go hammer and tongs at it. And he asked me who's going to, to call it. Again, it's similar to last year's Mr. Final. Uh, it's I really, really want Galway to win. And I'm going to say it's, it's, this is this is on draw territory. This is one point either way. This is draw territory. But I'm, I'm sneaking Galway for a point. I just think they're very, very hurt from speaking to a couple of them locally here. Very hurt to what happened over the last week. And uh, hungry and driven and uh, kind of fed up too with a lot of the shite that's been said in the media. Like if I hear this phrase one more time, what Galway is going to turn up? I, I mean, <laughs> I hate that shit, like you know, for ultimately, like say take the last game, for example, right, mm-hmm. go away, like, and everyone will point to, and I did it myself because I was kind of probably emotional at the, at, at the time, or go away, go down by a certain number of points, and you're saying that they're producing pure shit, then they turn it on, and they come back and go ahead, let's say, and that's probably what go away, people are the, the the public or the other members of the media are saying that this is what do they get the go that go down seven or eight points, or they get the go away that that can open you up. That's just Galway. We just come and go. We haven't flown the games, but ultimately we're within a score or two. And I think Paul Bellew, the Galway chairman, he met, he 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 gave me a great stat a couple of weeks ago. Um, now, I don't have the specific years, but over the last number of years, I'm going to go back seven or eight years, when every game we've been knocked out, right? we've always been one score head into injury time. One score has been the gap. So you know that they were always there. We're never beaten 15 points or 10 points, never. So we're always one score within, head into injury time. So, I know for a fact that come, come Sunday, uh, Saturday excuse me Saturday evening that heading into the 70, 71st minute there's going to be one poke of the ball in it and I'm just hoping it goes the right way
2: Right not not to get off the pointer and you're pissed off by what the media are saying and whatever else but is consistency not a genuine issue about Galway this year though?
3: I just think it's a popular topic I just think if you're to associate any issues with a team um, I just think at the minute it could be People will point to Clare being overly emotional, say, in the semi-final last year. People will point to Limerick, possibly with injuries and being the top dog taken down. Mm-hmm. People will point to Waterford and to be the management. When you come to Galway, it's consistency. It's consistency and sorry, an underage development through to senior. And it's just, it's, it's, it's like a tag that has been associated with us for, Jesus, it's been a long time. I, th- I think it's been in our history. I don't think it's ever been, it wasn't developed recently. I think go back as far as 19... 19- 1990, 1990. When Corkbridge is like, you know, that it was a consistency when we came out after half time. I'd say that's when it started. You know what I mean? And it's just carried through. And to be fair, there's been days whereby you know it's been warranted. It's been there's been the truth. But I think in the last number of years, I don't think it's ultimately fair. I think we probably play what's in front of us. I think when you see us playing, probably playing the Dublin, where it's 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 hard to get into the psyche of a player at times. We don't exactly expect the same. I suppose. Uh, opposition. I mean that in a good way. That you get against Cuckney or get against Limerick, and maybe our our performance then mirrors that. When you put us out against a Limerick, at we we produce a relatively good performance, and again, always within one score. So, I get what they're saying. I just think it's a it's an easy one to pick on. It's an easy one to pick on. But again, that statistic that Paul Belly told me was a fabulous statistic, and it kind of mm. that probably paints a better picture of where going to our actual business in the championships versus
2: what people just say they're not consistent. So, right, Murph, let's pass the question over to you. Are Galway flaky then?
3: Whoa, uh, hi, that's, hi. You're lining up now. You're fucking. You're, you're, <laughs> you're <laughs> in a direction now. You're <laughs> in a direction. I,
2: gonna, I, thought
3: you were, I thought you were reacting
0: because I didn't react quick enough to that <laughs> question. I was like, Jesus, that was harsh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, what are you doing here? <laughs> um, uh, no, like, no, I look, Galway aren't flaky. Like, I, the one thing I have to look at from last weekend, right? It came down to that game could have went either way and there was a feeling there 30 seconds a minute before the end when Concanon got the last point where I went ah this is Galway's now and let's say the game ended there Galway go out and people are really excited about Galway they go you know geez, these lads are in a good place now Henry has not taken over okay grand they had their few results but geez, they're a dangerous team aren't they and they're pointing out all the great things to them one Killian Buckley poking that ball into the back of the net has changed all that like it, like a break of a ball has changed the opinion of Galway um no, like they're 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 not flaky. Like I mean, we've never we wouldn't come up against Galway going they're flaky. We would have always said against Galway is that if you're not right, they'll hurt you. That was what we would have always said about them. Um, and I think particularly the team at the moment, like they have they have savage players, and they've been just trying to get it to click, and they almost got it. Like if they won that Leinster final, like. they what way would we be looking at Galway right now? We'd be saying these boys go and beat Limerick. That's what we'd actually be saying because they have the personnel. There's no doubt, they have the personnel. It's just a matter of clicking. And what I'd be saying is like look back to last year and like when Galway do play with that bit of emotion as well. They're a savage team. Look back against the Cork game last year. Like after that, like when you see the players coming on like to Henry and stuff and you see you see Henry with Dahi Burke afterwards and Johnny Cohen and these lads and you could see, geez, there's something about this team, but maybe they just need another year. Tipperary are the ideal People for are the ideal team for Galway to be meeting because genuinely, what Scale said there, I do believe, like, even more than Kilkenny, it's 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 Galway and Tipperary would have a bigger rivalry in terms of Galway and Kilkenny. Galway and Tipperary have a more vicious rivalry than that. Because I remember when we played when we played G Scale in Tullamore in 2014, mm-hmm. I was marking Johnny Lynn again. Get your Johnny Lynn marker out there today, we'll mention him, but I was marking him. And after that game, we marked each other in both games and after that game I shook hands with him and fairness like I always said about him like you'd always shake hands afterwards and there'd be no bit of bad blood there and I said listen best of luck next week and <laughs> he said as long as we beat them bastards next week I don't care and I remember it's like Jesus Christ the game's only over five seconds and they knew they were playing Tipperary the following
3: week I'm fairly That's sure pure. he can check that back that is, that is the purest Johnny lance I've ever heard and he
0: wasn't even <laughs> angry at me he was there going Jesus as long as we beat Tipperary I don't care and I'm fairly sure you can fact check that now I'm fairly sure he played Tipperary the following week and um, again you know in, in yeah. 2014 but that was the attitude it was the attitude of we have to go and beat be Tipperary now and I do think that to focus the mind for these Galway players is similar to you know maybe Clare not getting up for Dublin Galway can't not get in the mood for Tipperary you know they can't not get and I do think it's obviously you know going to be tipped as the game of the weekend because it's two absolutely savage teams two traditional teams going at each other but I just think that there is stuff that goes out the window a little bit here. I do think we'll see a right good match where teams physically go at each other. There's going to be hard hits. Um, it's a great game for Tipperary as well. Absolutely brilliant for them because they're trying to get their show back on the road and prove that the blip on the radar was Waterford. That you know they're here to have a serious tilt at the All Ireland, regardless what they say. So there's
3: there's a lot on the table here for both teams to have a real savage tilt at this and and, and make a real game of it. But there's isn't there a small bit of pride in the province too, though. Me, I, I'm not even from the province, right? And we're, obviously, we've listened to an awful lot of talk throughout the year that the Leinster Championship is a waste of time. You know, mm-hmm. that forget about it. It, should, it shouldn't even be. It shouldn't even be in existence. And I'm looking at now. This is this is team number two versus team number three in the respective provinces. So I'm saying it's just another little little bit of mm-hmm. a bit of spice to add into, the, into the fixture. And like if Galway come out on top and beat Tipperary, well then you can catch your Leinster issues and you can fuck them out the window. <laughs> <laughs> it's As simple as that. Because yeah. it's as simple as that. Les. I'm, I'm sorry. If, and, yeah. on the and on the flip side, if Tipperary. Turn us over. Uh, it's kind of grind the teeth mode, but yeah, yeah. This 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 is uh this is one of these, these Um, I remember Niall Hayes. We drew Watford in the quarter final in two thousand and I'm going to say two thousand nine, and he was giving a talk beforehand. to Damien's brother, and he said we have to develop a and I quote a beef with Watford. We have to fight because we had never played them really, so we had no real issue with them. We've developed a beef, and we couldn't go out play Watford, and their crowd are right behind them during their pump, you know, and we'd no match for it. Whereas now there's there's no need to even mention that. It's just, yeah. you won't be, you'll walk into train now, tonight or tomorrow, and there be, won't be a word said. You just feel it. Yeah. This is yeah. it now. This is it now. It's coming on the tracks. So you just feel it. And it's fucking which is shit
2: now you have to put what improvements do you want to see scale from the Leinster final then and I appreciate by the way as much as I'm trying to wind you up by saying things like flakiness yeah. is that the reality is that if that goal doesn't go in the whole complexion of the championship looks different it's, it's amazing what a difference that actually makes to the entire season for Galway but what yeah. do you want to see from Galway improved upon from the Leinster final
3: Well, we, we have two things two things in our favour number one is our forwards have pace we, we have great skill base and we have pace and it's my, it's my belief that the temporary backs, they're not what they were in terms of athleticism and pace. So I, I want us to see attack them. And if we can run through them, if we, if we start doing this where we lump and ball over and over again, like that'll get mopped up. That'll get broken down and, and shifted up our far side. I want us to see run through, run through them and turn them on to their own goal, make Ronan Maher go back, make the Heffernans, Seamus Kennedys, all these guys, Ron McGraths, head for their own goal. We don't want them to go that direction. That's number one. So that's the method of our build play from midfield forward. Just lumping it in every now and then, like we 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 hit an awful lot of route one deliveries down on top of, you know, Hugh Lawler and, and these lads, and you know we didn't get an awful lot changed in probably the last five or six minutes. Whereas I want to see us going more direct route with the legs as opposed to the ball. Number two then is our defensive setup. If we can marshal the temporary forwards in terms of their movement, so what will happen is they'll create confusion, they'll create a bit of pandemonium with lads showing up in different spaces. If we can get our game plan right, whereby we either set up in such a way that we're defending both space and men at the same time or we're tagging lads and we don't open up gaps for others, that's going to involve some midfield help, um, then i will be content. So, because all that will lead to A, scoring more, and B, our concession rate coming down because unfortunately our concession rate with Kenny was too high. We can't have a situation whereby we repeat the type of goal we let in because truthfully speaking, probably the four goals you got last week, more for, were, were strikingly similar. They were strikingly yeah. similar where it was route one. I, I always take, take great confidence in, in as, a, as a goalkeeper if a team comes out and scores a goal, but doesn't opens up.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. If,
3: yeah. If they get a break from a free or 65 or, or whatever, they, that happens in the nature of sport. But if a team runs through us and opens up with a couple of split passes, I get worried because then our defensive structure is not right. And for it to happen four times in key moments in yeah. both halves, that's a concern for me. Yeah. So I, I, I'd certainly be hoping that that was a focal point for them to look at this this week in terms of getting an improvement. Um, and I think it will be, to be honest. I think now we'll see a more aggressive defence. Like, if you look at the goals last week, there was some, and I, I'll say it, there was some jogging back to the goals. There was kind of an, an a nonchalant kind of approach to it. Whereas, when you look at, as I said, jet, Limerick and clear the way the Limerick boys went back, it was just life or death kind of stuff. They were going back as hard as they could and making sure that gre- that, that net wasn't rattled. That, that didn't exactly happen for Galway last week. So that's what I'm hoping to see. If we have a defensive aggression, a good setup that will nullify the temporary movement, I think we're in a very, very good position. And I want to see... Oh, sweet. I, I'm telling here now, the goalie lads, have, they'll have bottle. They'll have a fight in them. And I want to see when, when the fight's thrown at Tipperary, what will they do? What's thrown at them? What will this team do?
2: I don't know, Murphy if Shemi Callan is going to start. He was in around kind of the bear, around the square position at the weekend, just gone by. Got his 40th championship goal from play, which is a remarkable record for all 40 of them to come from uh, open play. Um, that's a huge record, even taking into account the additional games that we have right now. Yeah. How difficult was Callaghan to play against?
0: Yeah, he was he was extremely difficult. Uh, I think particularly Calum was one of the players that uh, towards the end of his career um he really I say towards the end of his career, he's still playing, but like there you have some players who show really well when they're 19, 20, 21. You go, these lads are going to be absolutely incredible, and then maybe don't perform, let's say, after 25. They kind of just never hit the peaks that you think they're going to hit. But I remember when I started playing, like Callan would have played in 2009. I, I wasn't part of the, I wasn't playing in 2009, wasn't uh, on the bench or anything. Um, and then by the time I came in 2011, Callan was kind of a player mostly at that time came off the bench at different times. Like, he started some games and he came off the bench, but he wasn't the Shami Callaghan that you would have seen after, let's 24. say, 2014 onwards, you know, that that was this absolutely incredible hurler. But he was always, he's such a rangy player, and he, he's pacey, you know. Um, we, like I think the, the big game we would have seen was 2014, himself and JJ, the, the battle that both of them had, and the fact that his pace, when they created space in front of Shami to go and run into that wing-forward position, because that's what he was doing. He was stand, starting that full forward, and breaking out into the wing forward position or in and around that, they'd land ball out to him. And he was very hard. He was very hard to get a hold of there. Another thing with Jamie um, which, I would have said, which I'd have say more so than other forwards I would have played against, was when you got the ball, he was a great man to tackle. Like If you got the ball a corner back, he was, an, he, he was a great man to use his size and actually hit you. It's not something I don't think the neutral person looking in at Shamie Callan thinks that that's something he's good at. But I remember, like even two thousand nineteen, now when I was getting the ball, two or three times I got the ball in the first half. It was him that was tackling me, and he'd just come running out. He wasn't; we weren't marking each other, but he come out and he tackled. Like that's the kind of tankless stuff that you want your forwards to do. Like, the, like Shady Callum, whenever he finishes, he'll be remembered for his forty-plus goals that he scored from play, all the great points he scored. But he's a savage man to work. A savage man to tackle. One of these forwards, like Peter Casey, that you see running out from the full forward position, chasing lads to try and get a hook, and 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 restarts the attack all over again. Um, and those were the qualities that I remember from him. And again, similar to the likes of Johnny Glynn, Shamey was always a player whereby after the game, like you shake hands, whether he won, whether you won, you shake hands afterwards, and there was always a kind of a laugh, nearly that great battle, kind of and, and the best look. But look, he's one of these boys that if if you're being very honest, you you wanted to mark him because. You want to mark the best players. You want to mark Joe Canning. You want to mark Patrick Horgan because it's nearly a reflection that you were going well as well. And so Shane Callen was one of these players, but at the same time, like an absolute handful. But uh, like he's capable. He's absolutely capable. Will he start at the weekend? Hard to know. Hard to know, being very honest. You know, we can wax lyrical as well, but like Tipperary will, will cut the cloth to measure and they'll start who they need to start. You know, there'll be no romance in this. It'll be a case of whoever the personnel, we and Bonner could start the weekend. You know, they may mm-hmm. they may think that. Do you know what we need at full forward? We need a fella coming out, darting, winning the ball, breaking a few balls. So it's very hard to know, but like he's just been, he's been brilliant for them and it's gas even seeing him at the weekend still having that hunger to go for goal when he gets the ball, wanting to hit the back of the net. So look, obviously, we're going to say just a top, top-class player for, for Tipperary.
2: Yeah, Tip scored quite a rate of 7.31 from play at the weekend. Uh, so Jason Ford was on the freeze and on the 65s, but they got 12 different scores and play during it. So it's clear, look, they've got stacked attacking options coming into this game scale. But is there an argument for having Callanan in around the square as someone to cause problems for Galway at the weekend? Or is he better deployed maybe coming off the bench like he did a couple of times in the Munster Championship?
3: Um, for, I just find it hard to see how he wouldn't start him. Um, I know he's had his injury troubles in in, in years of late, but but like he he always produces something, and like he takes ferocious all mind, and regardless of age, mileage, you know where where you think his performance levels are at. I think if you throw him in there on top of Gareth back and Ernie, you're you're looking for a titanic, titanic battle. Then you can put the ball long, you can move the ball low. You've got you've got limited options, unlimited options, should I say? So yeah, I I probably I I'd start him personally if he was my player. Now Liam Cahill has obviously seen a seen a lot more of him. He's got a game plan centered on certain certain personnel. Might start it. Might put him in as a as an impact sub. And the game might just warrant that you could have fifty five minutes. Lads are. We saw the, how the game petered out in, in Crow Park. Lads are out on their feet. Uh, could be a warm day, and you could fifty five minutes, and then you bring on Seamus Kennel. What a guy to bring on. You know what I mean? What a guy to bring on. And so like that could be. It could be a number of things. It could be a crowd lifter. It could it, it could probably get some more energy into into your team when you see a lad of his caliber coming on. So. There's, there's pros and cons to both options, but personally speaking, like I would always have someone like him of his calibre uh, starting. And again, like with Dottie Brook, we've seen how influential he's been at six. So just, again, a little bolt out there, does Bonner start at 11? you know to put in Bonner yeah. and say, put the lefty on him, let's have a battle between the two E. Um, that's a possibility too, because they've had good battles in the past, the, the two of them. So it's a hard one to know, Will. That's why I suppose it's, it's such, obviously the match itself is an intriguing fixture. But team selection, like Galway, have loads of options too in terms of the forwards. Uh, Who like who goes where? I couldn't tell you at this moment in time the six forwards in Galway. Not that I would. (laughs) I'm just saying. I I just could. I wouldn't. If 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 we're offline and have to guess, I actually can't guess right now. I don't think we see the same forward line this week that we saw last week. Well, I tell
0: you, you boys wouldn't tell me anyway, because we were having a conversation in the Crow Park Hotel before the Leinster final, and Stephen and Aidan Hart were sitting there. And I was just having a conversation about, oh, Adrian Mullins injured sure is terrible, isn't it, and all this? And I said, yes, Kyle Mannion's 21. They'll surely start him, will they? Like, you know, instead of a lad with a hamstring injury, you'd, you'd rather start him than... Just a bit of conversation. Two boys, as if I never even spoke to them. They just just looking at the oak, and they were like, gee, warm enough today. The queue is big for the bar. it? I was like, Jesus Christ, that's like, you know,
3: do you ever just give it up? Do you ever relax? Like, you know, and, See, if I was on my own, or heart on my own, we tell you.
0: Two twoy you just kind of rubbed your nose, just kind of look at the, yeah, and the don't answer.
3: It's as if you had this unspoken language, don't answer. Well, if I own. was on my own, I'll tell you. But what happened is, if I told you, Hart to turn to me then say, why are you telling that for? Yeah, you're telling that for now. Yeah. <laughs> <That's just funny. laughs> I'd, I'd say the same thing to him. If he said it you, I'd say, hey, shh, stop, don't I, be the way that. So, I, I had to take
0: up
2: the question with Owen Lynch. I had to turn right to him and go,
0: Jesus Christ, like, the boys are wicked right. oh, oh, suspicious here. Tough oh, <laughs> <That's laughs> crowd.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what are your predictions then, lads? Um, I'll give you first shout, Murph. because the feeling scale might just go for Galway here. So who are you yeah. picking, Tipper Galway six fifteen on Saturday?
0: Ah, I'll be honest. I'm going to go with Tipperary on form of what I can see. But one point I was thinking, was, Skell, stop rubbing your eyes, will you? Like, it's punditry. You're in this game long enough. Like You you get so angry when people don't say Galway.
3: No, but you said said on form, right? They were dog shite against Watford. <laughs> fair four, fair four. And then they yeah, racked up the team. largest score in part
0: final history. Yeah. The, the uh, two days days yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, right. Let me explain, right? Can you mute him or is he? I I enjoy yeah, his interactions, too
3: busy over here, Neil My to the master. Is is it, is back in <laughs> uh, no,
0: actually one point before I say about Tip and Galway, um, in terms of prediction, but even though I said tip, uh the one thing with Galway I know this might be thinking too far ahead, or I might be maybe trying to be too positive with Galway. There's part to me that goes if Galway wanted to go and win All Ireland, winning that game last weekend, would it have rectified any of the problems Galway had if they currently have? Like the eight points down in the game against Kilkenny, you could come away from that game after winning it saying, geez, we're great, we're on the right track. Or maybe does a kick in the arse, maybe you a bit more if you're going to an All Ireland final? Because mm. if Galway go and win this game, at the weekend, they're back into an All Ireland semi-final, but they've now beaten a team who have drawn with Limerick this year, and, and Galway go to face Limerick then, having went down to the Gaelic Grounds, beaten a Tipperary team, a serious Tipperary team, and now they have something that they wouldn't have had if they just won the Leinster final. They have a kick in the arse, and they have a response. So, like, I, like I know a team sometimes can be maybe a bit too positive and look into things, but I genuinely think that. If Galway are going win the All Ireland, I don't think they were winning it. Winning the All Ireland, having won the Leinster final last weekend, the way the game was played, like if they went out and they blew Kilkenny off the pitch, fantastic. That's a better position. But they're down by eight points. They're, they have things to work on. They let in four goals where basically the team just ran at them. They have things to work on. If they go and beat Tipperary, I think that's a far better position to go into the All Ireland semi-final in than having won the Leinster final like the way they played the game. But in this, at the moment. It is finely balanced. But from what I've seen with how clinical Tipperary have been, and I'm, I'm going back as far as the league here, where Tipperary have went out and performed for Tipperary, not based off emotion or anything. They seem Lean Cal has this great ability of getting a team to think very clearly, getting to be very clinical and go out. And lads, we're racking up a score here. We're going to win for us. And when they've needed to be emotional, they've dialed that up. You know, when they played Limerick, when they played Cork, particularly the Cork game, there was savage emotion in that, and they were hitting lads, and they were able to dial up and down the emotion as they needed it. And I just see Tipperary at the moment that maybe they're just showing that little bit more, maybe there's just a small bit of a chink in Galway's armour from what we've seen in the Leinster final and against Dublin. That's all that I'm referencing at the moment. But I fully believe that... Galway, Galway can absolutely go and win this game they can go and they're the team that could go and beat Tipperary and like I said if they do go and beat Tip I fully believe they're in a better position to go and win All Ireland than they would have been if they won the Leinster final it'd be all positive and they'd be off for four weeks, brilliant but they've learned a lot more getting to a semi-final by beating, Lim- beating Tipperary than having went out in Becky Kenny. but look at the moment I'm going to lean towards and, and Skelly, this isn't easy for me as a Kilkenny man to say leaning towards Tipperary but I'm leaning towards
3: Tipperary at the moment, okay? Now, you can predict Godwin. For some reason, I just think that your wife was there with a shotgun, pointing at you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> put woman saying, oh, put, it, down. put oh, it down, put it down. <laughs> <There you go.
0: laughs> no, no, no. No, not, like, it turns out, Aideen, like, she's been out in Kilkenny long enough now. There's, like, yeah, she, she, she has time for Kilkenny as well. So, uh but... I don't know, I didn't ask her yet. She's get, she's nearly going to have a side project on this pod if we include her too much now. Like, need, <laughs> like you know, your wife will have to go into this. Grace will have to come into this now as well, like, you know. so. <laughs> but I'm going to go with Tipperary anyway for now.
3: No, but in fairness, everything you said, like if, if I was just to extract the Galway uh, part of me, there's logic in what you said. You know, and I, mm. I'm very much like I'm very much evidence-based, logic approach. I agree with everything you said. If we, if we won the Leinster final producing a good performance and winning by six points, I'd say we're on a good run here. Yeah, but the yeah. way we played in the Leicester final, which is kind of sort of topsy-turvy, some excellent stuff, some poor stuff. And if we came through that, you'd say, that no, we're, we're on a good roll. I agree with you. It would probably hide over the cracks and some of the yeah. cracks could be actually bigger than one would think. So mm. I am content right now. If you ask me from seven days ago, I was going to yeah. rip the wall down, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> alas, here I am, cool cabin collected,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> trying to approach this and say, yeah, we're going to win. We're going to beat you. We're gonna beat you. I just think our forwards, for forwards, get kicking, get, get and it's a big if. If we get clicking at all, like we're we're uh, we can take them down. But like that, I, I said that on one side of my mouth, the other side of my mouth, I'm saying we have to stop their forwards. Yeah. <laughs> but again, that's the that's what I like we we I like being in a position here, whereby we're talking about two, about two top level teams and we're trying to split hairs. Very very mm-hmm. fine matches. We wouldn't want a situation whereby we've just discussed twenty minutes ago about Claire going to come through Dublin and there's no real excitement, there's no buzz. That, mm-hmm. The fiction songs actually capture the, the the imagination of any neutral. Whereas this one I think will. Yeah.
2: yeah. No, I'd agree. Uh Colin Cunningham in context. Well, mm-hmm. how can Awfully get over the hammering at the weekend? It's how to get over it is to go back and try and win the Joe McDonough next year. It's, a, it's as simple as that. simple
3: as that. I just say I, I use a lot. Just get yeah. on with it get on with it so I mean, looking back just get on with it like just get stronger get faster get better that's
2: it just get on with it I I saw a few Offaly fans who were frustrated online particularly after the way the last few weeks have gone because yeah it was understandably to be quite a bit of excitement and I saw some people even saying you know the self-congratulations has been a bit too much from Offaly people who had lost the finals the first thing I said to you guys remember when we were talking about them being in the finals I said nothing's won yet like they've got two huge games coming up and You know, it didn't happen for them in the two finals Particularly the Joe McDonough was a very difficult one to take Because of the nature of the very, very late defeat that they took But all Offaly can do now at this stage Is to try and get as many of those under-20s That they have from the team this year That are still around Get them more experience and try and go on another run In the All-Ireland under-20s Get guys like Mitchell and Burke Who've already got into the senior panel Get one or two more of them Hopefully, Touchwood wood, Oshin Kelly is back fit for next year and give the John McDonough a right good assault because it's going to be very, very difficult with Kerry, especially with Leash coming down. I think Leash will get their house in order mm. next year. I think Leash will, will probably be the team to beat in the John McDonough Championship next year. That's, awful, that's all Offaly can do. At least they're in Division 1B this time as opposed to in Division 1A. Cause the last time they went up, it was Limerick, with Clare, a couple of hammerings taken along the way. It was very dispiriting. I don't see any reason why Offaly can't uh, give good games to Antrim and to Dublin next season and, you know, yeah. prep themselves for the championship. I think this Tipperary game will be long forgotten. And I think everyone knew going into that Tipperary game, the tip were going to win uh, by a distance. Maybe not quite the 34 points it played out to be. Before think- we go, Skell, you did a bit of research. And I, I wouldn't want the research to go to waste before we leave. And I didn't want you to tell me before we come on air what this was about. You just said you were looking into Gaelic football at the weekend. So I'm intrigued as to where this is going to go. Don't you just pull the string and it gets longer and longer? Yeah, and longer. <laughs> the notebook gets how, this fuller this, and fuller.
3: This is how it started. I look, at it. I, I've notes on a page here, and I don't even know which way I'm going to structure this. let have the clue. We haven't suppose, even indicated yeah. what this is about yet, like. So, I mean, <laughs> no, suppose um, now I didn't hear Don Log's comments until today, right? mm. but I, I actually got, I had the started probably on Friday. Just wondering, just okay. being inquisitive as to where how many games are in Hurling. Because we spoke about seven games being left. I was rightly corrected last week. Seven mm-hmm. games being left. We've obviously now got five. So in total, let's say, when you take the Leinster Championship, Munster Championship, and all the knockout phases, the, the Hurling Championship will have 33 games total. Total. So that's all our senior games. And I'm talking about Lee McCarthy only. So please excuse me. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about the other divisions. And when I, when I take football, right, and I just take the group stages of the, the Sam Maguire group stages that I've just finished, and Go all the way to knockout it's 35 games. So that's so when I, when I take out the four provinces of football, I have more games in the football championship than in hurling. And I'm saying this just doesn't, just doesn't sound right now. I understand football, whether the team is ranked 17, 18, 19, and they play a team ranked 19, 21, they, they, they could be competitive, you know. That's why the group games at the minute in the football has been ultra competitive because teams have been at the same standard to a degree. So with hurling, we've got a much big, bigger proposition, a much bigger. Opposition, you could say. So then I listened to those comments and he said the G A has failed Hurling, etc. And sometimes when he speaks, I understand what he's trying to say, but sometimes his delivery comes across odd, you know, or comes, it gets skewed a bit by, by his paraphrasing or, or taking token phrases. Like, But I get what he's saying, but I don't think the GEA has failed Hurling. I just think the GEA have a huge issue. Like if I was to promote Hurling right now, the only way I can physically see it at the minute is to tinker with the, the Munster and Minister Championships but that doesn't actually fix, fix anything it fixes nothing that might get me more games on television might it might close the margin on some of the games might but that's it I actually don't do anything to improve the longevity of the game or get it into the, the lower divisions so then I started looking at a, a statement Donald made in years previous about a could we get a provincial team like an Ulster and I started looking into Kerry Football and Cork hurling where they come divisional and I just, I just started going down a rabbit hole as a As to where do I stop from here? And how many Mm -hmm. people lose in the game if you opened up an Ulster team? So, Will, you've asked me, what have I looked into? I don't actually know, right? (laughs) I don't (laughs) actually know. (laughs) Overall, I'm saying is, right, is the games we see on on Hurling, right, is probably the most amount of games we can get. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the best product we have at the minute. How that improves the game going forward, I don't think it actually improves it. But if we get more exposure, like Donald says, and wants more games on television, I don't think it improves the game that much more. Yes, it might get some some younger players playing, but it won't get more clubs. It won't get more individuals playing in football clubs or a football counties. So I'm not sure how to go. It's just to, it just goes back to what we said weeks ago: major, major investment in the not alone the tier two, but tier three and tier four counties, and that's a 15-year yeah. plan, 20 years.
2: It's- People are listening to us right now in audio form. You'll have to do a quick search for this either in the OTBGA podcast stream or you'll find it on the YouTube if you want to watch it. Which is Martin Fogarty was on Off the Ball last month. I'm going to say it was probably the middle of the month. I'll put in the YouTube version, I'll put it in the comments underneath uh, as an off the ball comment. But he spoke about this and just explained how. On the one hand It's incredibly simple On the other hand It's incredibly complex To try and grow hurling Outside of What he called The traditional areas And he was almost Calling it the wilderness Where he was trying To promote hurling When he was the National Hurling Director Now Covid kicked in And his tenure Came to an end And there's been Nobody appointed To succeed him So I would think One of the first things That needs to happen If the GA feel That that is the right way To go To have a national coordinator They need to appoint Another one But he was making the point That a lot of what He was setting up Was just a way To try and get matches between clubs in areas where there aren't other clubs to play against mm. and he was saying that was nearly the biggest challenge that he had so you would go into areas in Connacht and areas in ulster and there wasn't a match to be had against a team roughly your level within an hour of where you were he had some strong clubs here and there in roscommon and in sligo but generally when you went a little bit further north particularly unless you were in Derry, antrim or down there were a lot of clubs who just couldn't get a match against each other. And he was trying to find a way of setting up leagues so that teams could play against each other. And he said the only way you can actually really improve... And I think the, the experience of teams going into the Kilkenny Championships, whether they be from Leash Carlo or Kildare in recent years, but to use your phrase, Gal, iron sharpens iron, it was an opportunity to play maybe against a better level and to get a consistent level of games for your club hurler to try and improve. Like ultimately, I think in the GA, we often think about a top-down perspective where our only interest is how do we make the Lee McCarthy counties better and get them closer to each other, as opposed to if you want to build from the ground up, what you need to do is have a vibrant club scene and have the clubs producing the best herders that you can possibly produce, which will therefore encourage the game to actually grow. Okay. And some of the opposition that Martin Fogarty said that he faced was a very simple one, which was he would go into an area where there were rival clubs playing football against each other. So they didn't particularly want to join up maybe to create a hurling club or they felt that resources would be dragged in a certain direction if hurling was to happen. So therefore, this might weaken our football team, and football is our main focus. So he was saying that maybe that's the investment that the GA have to make, which is providing equipment or providing coaching or providing what's required to actually get hurling going in the ground in these areas. I think it's a far more complex thing than what happens with the Leinster Group Stage or the Munster Group Stage, Murph. Like That's, yeah. that's yeah. its own issue, but it's not going yeah. to grow hurling in Monaghan or it's not going to grow hurling in Leitrim.
0: No, like restructuring um the senior level of, of Hurling with your Waterfords, Kilkennys, Clares, you know, whatever, Offleys, doesn't do anything for the player who's up in Monaghan who can't play. Too many competitive games, but loves to play hurling. That doesn't do anything for the sixteen-year-old up there. Like we're talking from that point of view in terms of making it more appealing to the neutral. But you know, I spoke to Martin Fogarty about this. I was I was on a committee with him, and uh, you know, generally as well, just from meeting him and chatting to him, he would have explained because I'd be asking him, like, you know, what's what's it like, you know? Because Martin used to go off there, and he'd be gone for two or three days because he'd be gone up to Antrim or Tyrone or Donegal or Sligo or wherever and it was i suppose it was an eye opener for him as well you know having come from the saturation of Kilkenny to going up there and and like that things that you just don't think about where you know we're saying oh we have to make it more uh, appealing to these people but how is appealing when you have to drive two hours to your, your next nearest club? Like, if you're in the far end of, yeah. you know, I, I don't know where, let's say Donegal or wherever, like but you have a savage journey to make and there isn't that pool of teams to actually go and competitive play an underage game. And like that as well, where you have, like, the Kenny's criticised for, you know, maybe not promoting football, but we have 28 football clubs in Kenny that played football r- right up until, you know, recently. Whereas if you go up to a few counties up there, you'd have to pool counties together to get 28 juvenile clubs 28 minor teams club teams it's 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 far more stark in certain areas than people realize and exactly like I said it's, it's the old thing of you know a rising tide lifts all ships it's from the ground up it's, it's bringing it in at such a level whereby it's not about the calibre of what you're doing but it's just becoming part of a culture within a county whereby we actually have quite a few people who pick up a hurl here even through the likes of social hurling and bringing people in the door that way it's not about getting people to perform or teams or counties to perform all to the level of Tipperary and Limerick and all this it's about you know, having your kids walking down the town with a hurl in their hand because they go play and hurling with their friends. That's the challenge. Like, and, you know, in Kilkenny, we've been doing certain things to say, right, you know, maybe we need to do things with restructuring development squads and different things. But one of the points that we, I suppose, take um, a lot of solace in is the fact that, you know, you walk down the street, main street here in Kilkenny, and there's young fellas with a hurling ball in their hand with a school bag over their back. Just, that's the level you're looking to try and get to. So it's when you get it into the culture within the county whereby, First of all, it's it's getting by the physical structures of having clubs close enough to you where you can get regular games over the season and you actually feel part of a community, that there's a bigger kind of structure here. There's a bigger web of clubs that you can perform with, even if it's across a county boundary. And getting to the stage where young players identify as, as, as hurlers. You know, to say, oh, I play hurling, I play football as well. Absolutely, I play both, but there's an opportunity for, for me to go and play hurling if I want to. So it's, it, it is, it's it's a huge challenge and it, but it won't happen at restructuring, you know, Kilkenny playing Waterford next year in a Champions League type format. That's not the things that are going to restructure up there. It, it'll come from the very grassroots level. And again, I hold my hands up and saying that like, uh, the GA is making strides. And Nikki Brennan has, has highlighted these different things at different times, that they are making strides. And you can't just bash the GA overhead with it. It's not as simple as certain things. And I do believe a starting point is obviously absolutely providing funding um and and enormous levels of funding but that has to come with a structure you can't just throw money at it blindly and think that the money is going to sort these things there's so many things and it it, it, look this is a decade-long project 20 years or 10 20 years you're talking you know so look it's it's a conversation we'll continue to have but the idea to think that it's just going to be a one size one one solution fixes all it's not there's a lot of things we need to do to, to bring so many more counties into the into the fray here
2: Mm. just before finish up I want to tell you about our competition winner as well Hurling of course is anyone's game Off the Ball have teamed up with the Senior Hurling Championship sponsors Borgosh Energy we're uncovering stories highlighting the positive impact that Hurling is having on people's lives this week's competition winner which is hosted by our good friends Borgosh Energy is Emma Cooper from County Clare Emma and her brothers play for the local club Broadford and they've written in about their father Martin originally from London but he's become a big part of the club promoting Broadford on social media and with his match action photography from their games as well so congrats to the Cooper family They're are going to be getting a prize from Board Gosh Energy. I promise, because I keep on getting DMs about this, I will have news in the next few days about our live show. I'm just waiting for the tickets to go live at this stage It's all agreed, it's all planned Joe Canning's the first guest The two lads are going to be there It is going to be All-Ireland Final Week I don't mean to make it sound like a tease again But I have to just wait until the tickets page is live Before I can promote this I'm sure myself and the two lads will be hawking tickets For probably the next three weeks uh, Before we get ready for All-Ireland Final Week For our big live road show. So uh, looking forward to that but we will have details later in the week We'll be back with the guys of the weekend I'm sure we're all going to be watching on Saturday Are, are we all going to the Gaelic Grounds on Saturday lads? Yeah, to know you're going. Yeah. Murph's going to be watching on TV. We'll see. Yeah. I will see what my it from the, comf- the comfort of my living room. I'll see. i see. I'm, I'm oh, half yeah. thinking. I'm half thinking of going down just for the two games, but we'll see. That well, that might determine whether we do a live show or not this weekend. Maybe we could do Sunday though. Go on, Scal, You were about to cut across there. Sorry. Can
3: you can you get us up in the high level seats up top there? Me and you. That's what we want now.
2: Yeah, I'm yeah. Sure, I'm sure we could get them. Yeah. It's uh Grounds has got a fairly wide um, crow's nest, I think, as they call it. It's a uh, very high up uh, press box as well. It's a nice, nice setup now. I'll see see what I can do Put it that way You do that If I don't
0: see you Beside JP McManus And Bill Murray (laughs) weekend, I'll be snapping
3: Well normally I'd say I'd fit right right in But I don't think A a farmer from East Galway (laughs) Would fit in with JP And Bill Murray
2: (laughs) Well Was this week last year That Bill Murray went to I think his first hurling game So Could be Groundhog Day could well be back again Right Lads we'll chat a bit Closer to the weekend We'll release the details About what we're doing About the show I think maybe we might Do Sunday next week Though off the back Of the, the quarter finals I'm not putting pressure On you again Skell, To be back in time Because uh, I don't, I, know, I don't want, I, want you I don't want you Flying through the toll bridge Again on Saturday To do a live show At nine <laughs> o'clock Or something like that
3: Saturday yeah uh, Saturday I might have To actually take JP's chopper
2: Sunday we've got
3: League final in the evenings I'm not sure it is. I don't know how Things will pan out I might have to Write a sick note
2: <laughs> Look we'll well there you go. We'll be in touch between now and then anyway. lads it's been a pleasure. thanks a million. Sound truth.
1: OTB's the hurling pod
2: with board gosh energy. Hurling. It's anyone's
4: game.